Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, July the 23rd, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hi. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey. And holy shit, Stephanie Cook is here. (gasps) Hello. That's me. (laughs) Stephanie is back in the house after, she's like a month, a month gone. You're back. Um, We're glad to have you back. Um, we have also have a very special guest uh, later in the show. Uh, Nathan Edmondson, the writer of Black Widow and The Punisher, will be joining us. I said on Twitter earlier in the day that we had a possible special guest, and everyone thought I was talking about you, Stephanie. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you told everyone that I was fired after last week, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, the boot. I mean, it's, it's a shock. Yeah. It's a shock. Well, I had to beg my way back to the show. It's like Billy Martin fired and back again yeah. in the same day. So you're a, mm-hmm. it's a 70s baseball reference from Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's shocking. That's so shocking. Um, Stephanie, how the hell are you? I am pretty good. I mean, aside from a whole lot of woes that have piled up on me, um, it, it's been good. We did misfits this week i did another podcast talking about the mummy uh the what the fuck are you watching podcast and uh like now the i'm brendan fraser the mummy yeah okay yeah so uh i did a show with them i guessed it on their podcast a little while back where we did batman forever mm, okay <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun though because it, it's all just making fun of movies except for the mummy you can't really make fun of it because it's actually fantastic <laughs> um, but i chose the movie so it was you know that was I just wanted to talk about it. Um, but yeah, things are mostly good. I had to do like some dentist stuff and Kaylee's been sick and I've oh. been away out west and then I had more border problems. You did well. Um and travel woes, plane mechanical errors, being stuck in Minneapolis. It's I just have the worst travel luck, you guys. Wait, the were worst. you stuck in Minneapolis during the baseball all star game? Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> and I couldn't, there was no hotels in Seattle because there was a conference. Uh, and then there was no hotels in Minneapolis because of the All-Stars game. Um, so, you know, I was trying to like rebook my flights because our plane was broken. And the guy on the phone, um, who was named Gary, by the way, God fucking damn it, Gary. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was like, all right, so I found a solution for you. And I'm like, okay, cool, great, 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 great. And he's like, yeah, so you're going to fly out of Detroit, and then you'll be home at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And it's like, you know, it's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Seattle, and I'm like, what? that's not a solution. I'm supposed to be, what? Why would I go to Detroit? That's so dumb. Why would I go there when I'm already on a flight in like two hours to Minneapolis? Right. And he's like, well, we would just change your flight from 
Seattle to Minneapolis to Seattle to Detroit. And I'm like, that's not a solution. <laughs> and he's like, well, then you would fly out of Detroit back to Toronto. And I'm like, well, I would be flying out of Minneapolis back to Toronto. My destination doesn't change. <laughs> and he was like, well, do you not like this? And I'm like, no, just find me a flight back home. Is this Delta? And I'm like, yeah. And Oish. he just seemed so confused that I wanted to go back home, like without change by changing the least amount of flights possible. Mm-hmm. And um, we wound up like our plane wound up being. Um, one for like international flight. So the first class is like those massive first class seats where you can't even touch like the seat in front of you if you stretch out. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it worked out to be pretty cool because I had like a cubicle seat. Just like, <laughs> I can't see anyone. Is anyone else on this plane? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> um, and I watched the Muppets Most Wanted. Ugh. What? Shut your face. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> oh, no, you be quiet over there. <laughs> I liked the human characters more than I liked the Muppets. I oh. kind of have a problem with that. Don't just... No, Tina Fey was wonderful. Tina Fey was wonderful, and uh, Ricky Gervais was even very good. I didn't like taking Kermit away from the Muppets for the whole movie. He wasn't away from... No. Uh, we're not reviewing the Muppets. He so was man. in the goal. Anyways, <laughs> so I, I eventually got home, and now it's just kind of one of those things where I'm getting back into the groove of things. Gotcha. So. This is part of my getting back into the routine of things. Absolutely. And here I am. So what did you think of Germany winning the World Cup, Stephanie? I was so excited. So, um, again, for anybody who's new to the show or whatever, I work with Bill Willingham. So we were out west doing, like, a writing retreat. And I've been following the World Cup and forcing, like, people to watch it with me. And I, I went to all these places to watch the pub. I'm like, where in Seattle can I watch the game during the day? And so I, I discovered new places and exciting things along the way. Uh, but the World Cup, we the final happened to be uh, when we were we met up with um, G. Willow Wilson for coffee because Bill and her are friends. And so I was just kind of like sitting around doing my own thing, but, you know, like politely talking every now and again. So I wasn't a weird person in the corner. <laughs> but like every now and again, I'd be like, just a second, I have a message to check. And I'm like secretly checking World Cup scores. (laughs) And I had watched the first half um, in the lounge at the hotel. And then like our meeting happened. So um, I had to go over there and I could hear the cheers. And every time I'd hear cheers, I'd be like, oh, something's happened. And uh, about like halfway through uh, our little like get together was the overtime goal Germany scored. And I could hear everyone screaming. And then um, I check my phone, and I see that they've scored. And I just, like, stood up, and I just started, like, fist pumping. And I was like, yes! <laughs> and, but, like, no one else knew what was going on, because I told everyone I was, like, checking a text. <laughs> and I forgot. And uh, Willow looks over to me, and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I'm, like, fantastic. I'm great. I'm super great i'm super great i'm like germany won she's like oh you're checking the world cup scores <laughs> and bill's like oh soccer <laughs> and then oh. we talked about david beckham for a while um and <laughs> me and willow talked about you know soccer bods it was it's pretty great <laughs> bill's eyes just glazed over and in horror <laughs> but it, it yeah i was so excited um it it was tense. I wanted to see a goal. I wanted to see the goal, but it didn't work out, and it was lots of fun. I got to 
do some cool things in lieu of that. And they still won. So awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. We got, we got caught up on your, yeah. on your adventures. Um, yeah. Bob, I just want to ask you a question. Did you hear, I know you're a big spirit fan. Did you hear mm-hmm. about the spirit changing over to dynamite? dynamite? Yeah. I saw that today for the first time. Dynamite has done for the most part, a very good job with the retro characters. Mm-hmm. So depending on who they put on this, it is the spirits really tough to do because it is so particular to Will Eisner that it was the spirit rocketeer crossover managed to capture it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens over there. Yeah. What about the Darwin Cook spirit? Was that the um, the DC first first wave? For I don't know. I don't think that was his. Oh, uh, okay. I, he's, I have it somewhere. I just didn't know if you had any thoughts on it because I bought a volume of it, which I currently can't find, of course. Uh, <laughs> He'd be perfect yeah. for it. I think I've seen some of it, but I don't believe I own oh, any. it is DC. Yeah. Mm. Um, he wrote and drew it. Mm-hmm. He's, oh. he's the guy, oh, but I don't think yeah. he'll be at Dynamite. No, 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 no. I know. I just you were yeah. saying that that was a the Rocketeer spirit was a perfect mashup, mm-hmm. and I just didn't know if you had any thoughts on the the run that Darwin did on uh, the spirit. I should check that out. Um, that was all. And, and <laughs> avoid the movie at all costs. Oh, the movie's oh God! I watched fifteen minutes of it, and I'm like, nope, done. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have that run, the entire thing at the shop uh, tour. So yeah. if you want to check that out, you can. Um, and uh, Gail Simone's writing a Women of Dynamite. Yeah. crossover book Deja Thoris Vampirella and Red Sonia yeah that's pretty cool yeah so it's exciting stuff it's cool stuff going on in Dynamite um, uh, Bob I want I, I, know, I know none of us read it I think you said you read it in the store I wanted to ask about this the Archie um, the big the big news obviously last oh, week was yeah. that Archie got killed yes um, in the Life with Archie book which is this book that posits like what Archie would be like when he's a grown up man. It's the what if alternate future yeah. Archie. Which has been running for a, a long time. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't even know what issue number it was at when the thirty six, I think. Yeah. Um so and that's actually where Afterlife with Archie spun off of because mm-hmm. there was a they did a cover, a zombie cover once and it kinda of spun into the series. Um so I, I I think I overheard you I think on the forums, I think you were talking about how you looked at it in the store. Um did you get what did you think of the issue? It's a very well done grown up story. It's mm. what these characters would be. It's a, it's a you looked at a Happy Days reunion movie. I mean, they're sort of based on right. Archie as much as anything else, and so it told a very nice story. It's about uh, uh, Kevin Keller, and he's now a politician, and it's gun control, and then something bad happens. I don't mm. want to spoil this for people. Really well done. What I found really interesting. I was in three different stores, and what it definitely did. I'm I'm sitting here. There's the newspaper article. The, mm. from that day it drove the speculators nuts oh yeah archie dies <laughs> archie's dying and we were torn and they, we were the yeah. books were being hidden uh frank store at long island comics a couple of people calling they were calling over at fourth world they're they've driven out of the woodwork it, yeah. it's slow news day mm-hmm. and mm. it's a good book mm. but no one gets that it's not real archie <laughs> but it's, it's it's a very well done book. Now they've got more covers coming out this week. Yeah, uh, Rob was telling me because I, by the time I um at the end of, uh by the time I went to get the books, it was nighttime and they were mm-hmm. all gone. I went to Fourth World and they were gone as well. I just wanted to read it. Um, but apparently, yeah, there's more covers. There's a, I think a Fiona Staples cover or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's an Alex Ross one, which is really bizarre, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to see him draw those characters. There's one 
it was last week that looks like the old Life magazine, the old Life photo okay. magazine. I think they're blowing that up to a magazine size. Mm. Oh, cool. Collector's um, edition. Interesting. The event itself was pretty violent. Mm. Um, I got to look yeah. at it when, when Bob and I were in the store. And, I mean, the, the final page, they kind of spin it a little bit and give you like an iconic image that's very reminiscent of what you just saw. And it's it's sad. Mm. Like, it's mm-hmm. really sad. And there, it's a lot more graphic than you would expect for an Archie book. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I think that um, I, I think they're right now they announced like that that the the superhero line of books that they're doing now yeah. like they're actually doing a full line of them and everything and I think that it seems like they're really making an effort with that company to make them um, more you know relevant again. You know, Life with Ar- Afterlife with Archie definitely did a little bit of that. That Sabrina series that's coming out seems mm-hmm. like it's going to do that as well. Yeah, yeah. And all this stuff, this and all those, it seems like they're really pushing to to get that. The, yeah. Them back in the conversation. Well, again. it's really amazing when you look. I looked up on Comicron the one day for, for somebody who was debating me about the way mm. comic books used to sell. So I looked up March 1966 when I was 10. Okay. And Batman was selling 800,000 copies a month. <laughs> Damn. Uh, you got to remember Fantastic Four and Marvel, those Marvel books were being distributed by DC, so they couldn't sell what they should have, but they were selling 400,000. Mm-hmm. So was Archie. Mm. Archie was selling 400,000 copies a month. There was wow. a much different marketplace with a lot more young people and girls reading comics, so the numbers were insane. It used to be a, a very important company, and they, as everything changed to superheroes, mm. they tried superheroes then. They, they had characters in the 50s, uh, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon's Fly, whatever, and they did okay and disappeared. Mm-hmm. They tried to bring them back after Batman, and they were sort of hip and troubled Marvel heroes and with their tongue-in-cheek, and they are well-remembered for being bad. Mm. And they've been back, even by DC once. DC had them once, three, four times in between. You've got uh, Francesco Francavilla doing some of these books. Yeah. Uh, Roberto Seguere Acasa? I'm close. close. I'm close. close. Yeah. <laughs> You've got really good people working over there who remember these characters who want to do... What they used to do. They did superheroes. They did horror. They did romance. Mm. Now's the time. They can be a a mid-major again. Now, there is... I read this in the Times about two years ago. There's a... I don't know if this is still going on. There's a big fight in the company between who controls it. Interesting. It's got to do with kids of John Goldwater and one of the editors and who actually gets to... It's one of these... What was that movie, The Split, where they, that's like an old Lucy episode where they draw with duct tape, draw a line through a room as a couple and they can't speak to each other? But I think this company is like that. One can be in the office at any one time (laughs) and the other one has to go. (laughs) But it looks like whatever it is they've sorted out, it's working. Right, yeah. So, yeah, more power to them. We could use more good stuff. Yeah, Stephanie, I know you're you're obviously a big Archie fan. What do you think Mm -hmm. about them kind of making a comeback into the mainstream? I think it's great. I mean, Archie is really, again, you know, going back to my origins, uh, is what started my love of comics. And I owe them a lot. I mean, technically, I guess they maybe owe me a lot of money because I put (laughs) a lot of money into this hobby. But, you know, I I have a lot of sentimental, you know, attachment to them. Uh, Mm. And I think it's great that more people are getting into it. I'll forever, you know remember Archie as being the digest that I picked up in the grocery store lineup. Um, but Afterlife with Archie has been 
nothing but superb. And I think it's great that they're switching things up and, you know, making Archie really relevant again. Yeah, totally. I mean, Steve, did you see that they released some artwork for the Sabrina book this past week? I've only seen the cover. I haven't seen the actual. Do you have it? No, I don't have it on my phone right now, but they released interiors um, and it's like, it's really nice. Um, what, What do you think about this Archie stuff? Oh, me? Um... I mean, I think the the revitalization of the character is really cool. I think it's interesting that Archie is in the news again mm-hmm. as much as he is between the Afterlife books, the Sabrina book, um, Archie, you know, dying, unfortunately. Uh, it's just amazing that characters that have been around this long are coming back into the fray and we're seeing different things with them. Um, it kind of goes to show that if within the right hands, you could take just about any character and make them cool again, so long as you have, you know, a passion for the source material, but you still have an original idea, you know, in your pen and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, Afterlife with Archie was outstanding. And if they're going to be taking these characters and going into more, you know, off-the-beaten-path ideas and worlds, and I mean, there's even stuff with other dimensions. Like, there's two, there's Mm. two different lives. The idea that something like Archie, something that people view as, like, so wholesome and stuff... That's a pretty like bizarre way to take the characters that they have that much of a of a robust uh, area to to pick from and explore with is really really cool. Um, I'm very excited for the Sabrina book just because one of my guilty pleasures is one of those like turn off your brain shows. Uh, was Sabrina the Teenage Witch? I mm-hmm. loved the cat. I thought the cat was. Re- I loved watching Salem. Yeah, yeah, Salem. For as for as terrible as his jokes were, I'm a huge fan of terrible. Puns. Who are you? <laughs> terrible! In, it's terrible in the best possible way. Okay, I I, okay. I, lo- I love I the show. I just really wanted you to be clear on that because <laughs> yeah, I no, believe almost, me. Like every one of his jokes and gift form on no, my no, I'm totally <laughs> believe me, I'm totally cool. But it was the kind of the posturing and the the animatronics versus the puppetry because they used a few different methods to actually film him. I'm terrifying. And it's yeah, but it's just it's funny because of the way that like he craned his neck to one side and only the top half of his body would move about while like the butt was kind of stapled to wherever somebody was sticking their hand up his ass. <laughs> and um I don't know, he he was wise, much wiser than some of the other characters on the show. <laughs> and uh I don't know, I I really Because like he I was said, a person. He was really a person. Well, was he kind of like the cat from Hocus Pocus, in a way? That's always what I think of him as. Yeah. Mm, right? Sort of. Yeah, yeah. He was cursed because he was a bad warlock. Oh, God. <laughs> cursed to be a cat. What a, what a horrible, yeah. horrible reality. Lay <laughs> well, around, for wait for food. He was ahead of his time. It wasn't in the 2014 era <laughs> where cats are worshipped like they were in ancient Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he I lived give... a... He suffered. <laughs> Uh, I also like the the presence that Archie Comics, like when we go to the New York City Comic Cons and when I went to Special Edition, Archie is always there and their booth is always really bright, really comfortable, really like it's big. It's really big. And they've always got really friendly people over there that are, you know, pimping out the books and just talking very excitedly about what they have going on. And it just it. I think it's really nice that, mm. that the company is still doing really great things and they're still really proud of where they are and they don't feel like they're, they've been overshadowed by the big two and they're irrelevant and they've kind of let Archie slide. If anything, he's making a huge comeback. Yeah. Well, I think they're coming up on their 75th anniversary. Oh, are they? I'm pretty okay. certain it's next year, but if not, it's the year after. Okay. 
Interesting. Okay. So yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I think it's awesome. I think also <laughs> the way what happened in, in, in the book and the way it was staged, I think they're also not afraid to make a point that they want to make. They have mm-hmm. a position and I think that's very valuable in today's very s- toe the middle of the line world. I think it's cool that they have a position on something. You've got they character- were founded. Oh, go ahead, please. They're founded in 1939. All right. Um, so yeah, it should be this year yeah. then, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, their characters still resonate with people. I watched, I read the comics in the, in the dentist office, mm-hmm. in the barber shop when they were always hanging around, mm. saw those cartoons, well, saw how- the Archie sing Sugar Sugar on and <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch as a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It was in the 60s mm-hmm. Saturday morning cartoons. So for every generation from then to now, yeah. it meant something to somebody. Right now, the comics are lagging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that looks like it's changing. They're, they're tapped into why people love them, found mm-hmm. new stories to tell and new ways to tell them. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely. I always think of the Chasing Amy scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to figure, they're, they would be considered by today's standards to be like the foundation, of, like a part of the foundation of comics. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, in a world where things move really fast and how we're, we're getting new comics every week, and all of these big heroes and big movies, like they're the talk of the town. It's nice to know that something that was in on the ground floor is still relevant. And like I said, not only relevant, but actually starting to really kick some ass again. Yeah. I mean, it's still one of the only things you can find when you go to like stationary stores and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's still one of the only things you can find there as oh, far yeah. as comics. So it was I was Archie in Stop stuff. and Shop earlier and right, right above the candy bars and batteries was Archie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, real other comics need to be on those racks too. That gets yeah. me really mad. It still <laughs> does after three years on doing this show. What um, is it that they know? That, yeah, they just know they, where, they know yeah. where their bread is buttered. You know they yeah. know that, and, and it's one of those things where I think that we talk about the the lagging sales, but they don't really they don't track. Diamond isn't tracking. I don't think th- those no. those supermarket books. They track their own whatever they're selling six or seven thousand. Yeah. But how many thousands are selling as, as Stephanie did? That's how you you discovered Archie in the first place, right at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. How many other people could discover? Yeah, Spider Man in yeah. the supermarket. How many? Parents are shutting up their kids by throwing an Archie comic into the, into the car. Yeah, read some Archie. That's what happened yeah. with me. <laughs> um, See, I was getting Mars Attacks cards. Nice. <laughs> 1962. Nice. Um, Here, I'll fry this dog with a laser beam. Go get that. I was always solving the mazes on the back of the cereal boxes. On the cereal boxes, yeah. Um, hmm. All right, so let's move on. Let's, let's, let's go on to our lightning round, which is our quick fire book discussions. Lightning round. <laughs> um, so that was our that was our smooth jazz one. <laughs> yeah, we did the heavy metal one. Oh, oh, by the way, Steffi, I just want to comment on the scat singing back on the start of the Misfit. <gasps> that was auto tune too. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I've been playing around with GarageBand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I I did some fancy editing for this week's Misfits podcast. No I hope way. it's slowly getting better. Slowly, I'm no Bobby. <laughs> Um, uh, congratulations oh. on your new artwork, by the way. Oh yeah, it's awesome. People oh, yeah. it out. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I love it so much. I I sent Melissa and Mara um, text with the you know picture when I was out west, and Hanny had sent it to me, and they didn't respond right away. And I was like tweeting them. I'm like, guys, wake up, guys, 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 <laughs> guys. Check check your email. Check your phones. Check. Get up. And mm. Melissa's like, I've been up for hours. What do you want? <laughs> and she didn't say it like that. Did but, Mara uh, freak out? Mara, yeah, everyone loved it. Like, oh, 
Melissa looks so badass. <laughs> I love Melissa's like more than anything. And they, uh, Hanny put in Kaylee as Mohawk yes. Kitty. <laughs> awesome. So, um, I, I love it. And yeah, but anyways, yeah, I did. I did a new scat, and I spent like a, I spent a really long time picking um, the tracks to go with it. I was gonna put some, you know, drums, maybe some bass to go <laughs> along, and uh, I, I decided to just keep it simple. Nice. I felt it nice. did it more justice. Keep it justice. classic. Yeah. Keep it classic. Yeah. 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 Since we don't have an actual theme song yet. I know. That's that's your theme song. <laughs> you ever need a beatboxer? Let me um, know. Ooh, that could be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Henny Mode knocked out of the park again. Um, it yeah. was amazing. And what's awesome, too, is that like it definitely has her style to it, but it doesn't yeah. look like our like no. Fun Comics no. logo stuff. It's awesome. No. Like, it, it's yeah. great. She, the difference. I like specifically asked her to do... Uh, a girl bike gang kind of feel mm-hmm. and apparently she had like this phobia of drawing motorcycles and she just never wanted to do it and she's like well you really helped me get over that <laughs> um so well that's good. It, it was a it turned out so great and um again going back to like all my dentist stuff i was e-bagging last week um and asking for donations because in canada the only times you ever really realize like how much um medical stuff costs is when your pet is sick and when you have to go to the dentist mm. and uh i've had both of those things happen in the last little while so uh anyone who donated over like a certain amount will be getting either a misfits poster or mm. or a, a print rather cool nice. um, and yeah or one of my photos but i suspect people will want the the misfits prints because they're right. really cool are you still taking so, are you still taking donations um the dentist i wound up only having to have one tooth removed like out of the two and so i i didn't make as much as i had initially um wanted to aim for but i also wound up not having to spend as much so it kind of worked out and i did a little update on my blog and said you know what was up and i'm gonna work on getting some stuff sent out to all the amazing people who helped me out because honest to god like it restored my faith in humanity i was just like (laughs) my friend posted this thing on his page and this stranger that doesn't follow me, doesn't know me, doesn't have me on as a friend, just sent me a like huge donation with like blindly. Wow. And I was just like, everyone is so nice in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Except for people who abuse animals. They're horrible, but all of these people are great. So that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah. All right. I don't know how to segue to that yeah. into Lightning round, but Sorry. the power of the internet, and with power <laughs> yeah. comes lightning. There you go. Wow! <laughs> lightning <Power>. round. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> um, oh, I need a cough drop. All right, Bob. Why don't you start us out? Bob is the master <clears throat> of the lightning round. He can do forty-five books in thirty minutes. We'll see. Here we go, and lightning round, go. Okay, we're going to start with something from the year 2000, unless no will break into Colonel O'Brien. <laughs> uh, Star Woman and the JSA Junior by Jeff Johns and Drew Johnson. It's part of the Sins of Youth little event they had back then, and Stephanie got me thinking about Star Girl, but this is Star Woman, because she's been given a dual science magic set by that clarion kid who's going to be in the books now. So she's now a very old 26 and the Justice Society are all basically the age of Yale Stewart's JL8. So you get Black Canary screaming, I want to go home, and the two wildcats beating each other up. It's just a very cute, funny book. I'm sure you can find this for about a quarter. And if you like X-Babies or JL8, Star Woman and the JSA Junior with like Kid Midnight and everything. Lots of fun. I got to read that. 
Okay. All we go to X Factor number eleven. Peter David Carmine D. John Domenico. It, it's the wrap up to some parts of the Georgia Dakai Memento More story that we've been telling, and it's got a really tremendous emotional ending. There's some really great stuff that I'm not going to spoil. The team has come together. Gambit's had his problem. They left him behind last week. Shh. Spoiler. This book is, I was skeptical early on. This book is just killing it. Silver Surfer number four, Dan Slott and the All Reds. It's the trip home for, for the surfer and Dawn, and he gets to meet the family and eat lobster bisque and just hang out. At the end, we get to see Dawn's sister. There's some giant sea monsters and the barrier. He describes the, his uh, problems with Galactus and so on. Just a fun, fun book as well. Speaking of fun books, Harley Quinn invades the Comic-Con International San Diego, <laughs> which Harley goes to the Comic-Con because she wants to break into comics. So she, she bums a ride so she can try to sell her book, Hurl Girl. Her power is she's a school teacher, and in her spare time, she vomits on people, and, and vomit has superpowers. Vomit saves the day. Vomit always saves the day. Uh, tons of cameos, lots of what Joe Dante used to show, call in Mad Magazine, chicken fat, lots of little stuff in the background. This is just hysterical, and this will be on, I think, my short list of favorite one-shots for the year. This is just pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Which leads me into a book from 2011 by Matthew Sturgis, who wrote Jack of Fables, and Henry Preseda. It's Power Girl 26. There's a Power Girl convention with ladies of all shapes, sizes, ages, races, all showing up dressed as Power Girl. <laughs> and she explains how all this works, and the line gets a little pushy because one of the Power Girl wannabes is actually a super villainous so there's a lot of just really fun stuff here great use of of kara's attitude about things i just can't deal with this now and so on and so forth and a wonderful speech that'll never fit in into the next 11 seconds well you can read the speech go ahead okay hold on so what we have here is you see it's the opening page it's a three-tiered page of kara just sort of talking to the audience and how everyone in the audience is just here to talk about Power Girl and so on and so forth. So what she says to to the audience is just a a close-up of her face. You may not all have powers beyond those of mortal women, but you all have power. You have the power to confront apathy, to avoid cynicism and futility, to do your part to make the world a better place for everyone. Beating up bad guys is only a small part of the answer, and none of you has to do that. What you must do, however, is be vigilant, be true to yourself, and have the courage to speak out and to confront evil in all of the many masks behind which it hides. Very nice. Yeah. All right. From Power Girl number 26. Awesome. Just before the new 52 canceled it. <laughs> we ran like two more issues and... Mm, gotcha. Anyway, so should I mention how bad the art in She-Hulk is? No, I won't. <laughs> I think you just did. Oh, sorry. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Steve, you ready? Yes, I am. Lightning round. Go. Batman Eternal, number 15. This is Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV on story. Ray Fox on script. John Wayman and Tim Seeley consulting art, uh, writers. Dustin, was it Yen? Win. Win. Uh, pencils. Derek Friedolfs on inks. John Calise on colors. Rob Lay on lettering. And... Dustin Yen on cover. It's gonna okay. be your. It's gonna be your whole two times. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's the deal. I haven't been reading Batman Eternal since number seven. I dropped off just because it was it was too much. 
you know, every week another three dollars here, three dollars there. But Rob, doing the Rob thing, <laughs> slides it over and goes, "This is the first issue with Bluebird. You're going to want to have this. You're going to want to read this." So I pick it up and I read it, and it's gotten pretty cool. <laughs> um, it's weird. And I like weird. And uh, I just, I like the pairings. I like the idea of all of these great writers and, you know, great creators and visionaries putting all of these characters into one story that is very bizarre and all over the map. You've got um, Red Hood running around, Jason Todd running around with Batwoman. You've got uh, Nightwing running around with this other wizard dude and Bluebird with Red Robin. And they're all split off into these different situations that all revolve around the same general plot. And um, I might have to pick it back up and start reading it again or collect the issues that I missed because I like it. Uh, my second lightning round book is Teen Titans number one. Uh, if I could find, I should have gone. Aha. Uh, Will Pfeiffer uh, writing and Kenneth Rockefeller art, Dan Brown colors and John J. Hill on letters. Uh, I kind of blew hot and cold with this book. I really, I liked, I, first of all, before I run out of time, I love the art. Um, I know that some people had found uh, aspects of Wonder Girl's uh, anatomy to be distracting. I kind of just let that go to a degree and and let myself just get involved with the story. Um, essentially, you have the team getting together to stop what is a terrorist situation on a school bus that's careening through the city and all of them kind of working in tandem with one another to get the job done. Um I thought it was it was good, but I found that the action and the moments that were kind of like really high energy were broken up by a lot of dialogue that kind of, um, like I said, breaks up the action quite a bit throughout the uh, throughout the issue. And there's an alarming amount of Red Robin on two separate occasions. People might have gotten hurt. Um, the bad guys mm-hmm. are terrorists. Something somebody might have had their back broken, or people were caught in an explosion. And Red Robin doesn't really seem to have all that much concern for their well-being. And that aspect of the book, if that's the direction that they're going, kind of this throw caution to the wind vibe that I'm getting from him as a leader uh, is a bit alarming. The other characters seem to be a little bit more concerned about the general public than their leader is. And I think that that's an interesting slash strange approach to a team. Yeah, um, I read it. And I didn't really like it very much. Okay. Um, for a, a few reasons. Um, you know, it's funny. You, you you have the Joe Quinones cover yeah. in front of you. And Cassie is wearing the exact same outfit that she's wearing in the book. But it looks nothing. It looks nowhere near as distracting as the, the version that's in the book. Right. Yeah. Um, I would have no problem with those clothes. I, it just it doesn't make sense to me why why you do that in the book except to be titillating it's the only reason why you do it one of the things that's interesting is that if you look on the very first page with cassie in her civilian clothes she's wearing the outfit underneath but the the chest part comes up all the way almost to like the line of her neck Mm. and then when she changes it goes down by about four or five inches yeah and she completely loses the straps Mm. and all of that stuff um like i said it's it's something that I can easily go to town with and, and talk on and on about it. Um, I knew that that was part of the art going into this because it was right. it caused such you know controversy mm-hmm. and whatnot over the past few months. Um, but I wanted to not let that govern my whole opinion on the book. I wanted to kind of move past that and just see how it was as a comic. Yeah, and, no, and I get uh, that absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, like, the problem is like not that. 
I'm not offended by it. I am just distracted by it. And I think that, oh, yeah. and I think that compared to the other female characters in the book, no one else looks like right. that. Raven doesn't. Right. Look Raven doesn't look like that. Like that. Um, and that that I think is a little bit weird design wise. Just you know, uh, the, my other, I, other than that, I think the art is pretty good. I like I like the way it looks. I I don't know if it's what I want in a Teen Titans book. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but the art doesn't bother me. But, but the, the some of the story mm-hmm. stuff bothers me. Um, I the Red Robin stuff really bothers me. Yeah. Um, because for a person who was trained. By Batman, yeah, exactly. not to care if someone's dying or not. Yeah, don't worry about it. Seems very weird to me. It seems like not knowing the character to me is what is what it seems like. And it, yeah, and the, my problem with it was that it didn't feel really focused on the Teen Titans. You know, it seemed more focused on this external force. Yeah, setting up that organization. Setting up the organization. And and this is Teen Titans number one. Like, I'm supposed to get to know the Teen Titans in this. You're not supposed to assume that I know anything. You're not supposed to... You're not supposed to I, I shouldn't get to know the... the other 17 or whatever yeah, that came up before. Right? I shouldn't get to have to know the criminal organization before I get to know the heroes. Right. And, and, and that's what bothered me about it. Like, it, it didn't make me angry, but I finished reading it. And I was like, it's not any better than the stuff that came before. That's what I came no. away thinking about it. No, the ending was... A- Nice attempt, but a little heavy-handed. Yeah. The thing with Bunker mm-hmm. it just really ran off the rails to me, and I oh seemed boy. kind of forced I, to yeah. me. I and I have a major problem with the art. Mm. Uh, Ken Rokefort did that Batman Superman that finally got me to not buy World's Finest okay. mm-hmm. because of the, the beyond the proportions of the body, the sort of vacantly staring porn face that I mm-hmm. you know they talk about Greg Land but she has expressions on her face it's sort of like I don't get it mm-hmm. and I don't know what's happened in between but I have sitting in front of me this is Cassie Sandsmark's first appearance and this is what she looks like drawn as Wonder Girl by her creator mm-hmm. it has changed <laughs> well, yeah. quite a bit uh, yeah and it is supposed to be the Teen Titans and it's a, mm-hmm. she's a still a teenager mm-hmm. and She's a teenager that, pardon me, has gotten implants, <laughs> and it's and in that outfit, it's just kind of ludicrous. Her her chest is bigger than her head. Yeah, and I really I I can't get behind a book if that's how they're going to present that character. I've done it since I've already knocked off books for right. it. It just it's something I couldn't get past. I, I'm speaking for me, not for absolutely. anybody else here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I absolutely I can see that. For, if, and for me, it was more the story than anything else that 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 put me off of the book. Yeah, it's like I said. It, it I, I mean, I brought it up in my lightning round because I, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about it and knew that you know mm-hmm. we wanted to people to hear our thoughts and stuff. And I might give it one more issue. I mean, you know, there are aspects of the of the art that I, I really do like. I, I like the Beast Boy stuff. I think the 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 tiger on the on the bus was really cool. Um, well, if you get Joe Canonis who did the cover you have there doing the inside of that mm-hmm. book. It might alleviate some of the other problems yeah, I don't too. Know. Mm. I I like him a lot. I don't know that I always like his, his interiors. Um, there was one or two issues this past year that I, I didn't care for his stuff. Um, I'm interesting to learn more about Raven because I've never read her in a comic before, and she's a fantastic character. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked I liked the the. the dark foreboding depiction of her and her power set was kind of cool and even um that moment with bunker was really neat uh with you know with the whole bus situation for those moments i would maybe give it another issue Mm -hmm. but if it if it continues to rub me the wrong way that i'm Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna have to skip it right um all right so i'm gonna do my lightning round and let you go last stephanie okay and i promise i won't forget you 
Okay, well, that's that's a good promise to make. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> well, he's got three minutes to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we'll we go. You. And go. All right, so we've got Uncanny X-Men number 23, The Last Will and Testament of Charles Xavier. Um, we It sees um, Jennifer Walters uh, finding The Last Will and Testament of, yeah. of, of Charles Xavier and going to the Jean Grey school to, to get it read. Um, the problem is that in order to have it read, Everyone named it and it has to be present. And one of those people is Scott Summers and they don't want Scott Summers there. The other part of the book deals with Scott and, and, and it's really the first time I think since we've, we've, we kind of restarted these books that we've started dealing with his, we dealt with a lot of people's other people's reaction to him. First time we really dealt with his psychological state after what happened with Xavier. Yeah. Um, and I found that something very cool. And I also found the Dazzler stuff to be very interesting. You know, she's been sort of kidnapped and, and impersonated for a, and held prisoner for all for a long time. Yeah. She's finally free, and she's dealing with the fact that she can't she needs can't find the one person who's responsible for for kidnapping her. It's very interesting stuff for her character. I, I, you know, I, I found that very very cool. Those pages with her looking into the mirror, yeah, were awesome. Yeah, they were. It's great. And uh, the art is um I can't remember his first name. I'm gonna, uh, Chris Anka. I always want to say oh. I always want to say Paul because I, <laughs> but uh, the Wicked and the Divine number two, uh, beautiful beautiful looking a um, uh, great great story twists and turns the last couple of pages when she descends kind of into the subway underground yeah. rave stuff is both gorgeous and haunting and the twist at the end is is really really great yeah um i'm i'm really really excited about the series and to see where it goes from here also get more kind of backstory on how these people became gods yeah um which was cool seeing the the uh, lucifer's seeing lucy's transformation was very very cool. I'll save a comment for one you're done. I don't right. take up your time. Um, and the last thing I did um, is I read uh, the first two volumes of Thor: God of Thunder. Yes. Uh, which I ordered when, after Steve talked about the, a couple weeks ago, and so that got me through uh, God Butcher and God Bomb. Okay. So kind of closed off that go, the God Butcher story. First of all, I love the fact that it was a twelve issue story. I thought that it really paid itself off yeah um i'm sure it was more a lot tougher reading it month to month that's why i waited yeah um reading it all in a lump was fantastic and it, it read great all the way through um really got a lot of payoff for his character i think he's a very interesting character the god butcher character he, he very much feels like almost like a sinestro type character to me yeah um the thor stuff is great i loved the i loved the kind of the, when the three thors are together in one place that stuff was, was yeah so all three thors together were it was both like my time got done while I was stopping. I'm going to keep a couple more seconds because we failed. Um, all three Thors together was both hilarious uh, and also incredibly awesome. Like seeing the, the the fights and the way they teamed up together. And I love the way that Jason Aaron has this way about him sometimes where he does this very, very epic Shakespearean, you know, captioning that yeah. he does. I, I The first place I ever saw it was when we did, it was like, I think the second issue of a, uh, Avengers vs. X-Men where it was all narrated about all the, what all the characters were doing and it's the same thing a lot here you know the way that he talks about these characters is pretty amazing um, and there's that one thing where I, I forgot I think it's the old Thor who tells young Thor to you know kill his brother the first chance he gets or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was really That's funny um, but yeah it was just fantastic and the art was great too I mean I'll, I'll, I, I think there, you know, there's a couple the second volume I believe it's a different I think it's a different artist for a little bit yeah. for a little bit um, but this Rubik stuff is great you know what it reminds me of it reminds me a little bit of um, 
Corbin sometimes, Richard Corbin. Ooh. There are facial expressions that very much remind me. Um, and Corbin does all those um, those Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. Oh, okay. There's definitely facial expressions that definitely, he has these kind of like over the top facial expressions that definitely remind me of him. But it's as good as everyone said it was. I'm going to, it's funny. I'm, I'm holding off ordering volumes three and four only because I have two soft covers and the other ones are only in hardcover. And I oh, want them to match. <laughs> I get that. Try uh, coming over to my house where I have hardcovers and then single <laughs> issues. It's a killer. Um, but I really, really loved it. Really, really great stuff. It only it's it stays amazing. Awesome. So awesome. Um, and for anybody who's enjoying the Wicked Divine, I just want to point you in the direction of Phonogram once again because with this second issue, it there are vibes of the Phonogram series within this issue, mm-hmm. and it looks like they're going to be kind of nodding to it mm. maybe once or twice. There's definitely a character that shows up in Wicked and Divine number two that looks like David Cole. And I, I think that that was on purpose. Cool. I think there might be something about the Wicked and the Divine in reference to Phonograph that they're not telling us just yet. I'm pretty sure uh, they did actually kind of, uh, Kieran Gillen wrote up a very big thing about Phonogram in the back of the Wicked and Divine number one. Woo. He did. Yeah. He mentioned though that, it, that a lot of, when a lot of people, um, when he was, they were writing Wicked and the Divine, they were asking why it wasn't a phonogram. Phonogram, a phonogram. Um, and he and it's a very it's a it's an awesome essay, and, it, and he has another one in the back of this yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. Did you guys see the the variant cover? That's Kieran yeah. Gillen and Jamie yes, McKelvey. Yes, yes. No, what are, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's chips, it's, right? Chips Zdarsky. Yeah, yeah Chips Zdarsky did that one, and, it, and it's and it's the two of them on oh, the cover yeah. of the book um like like the weird like kind of yeah. the style the way to divine covers but it's the two of them which was very very cool and very funny um all right awesome so stephanie let's go to you to your lightning round all right you ready yes i only have a couple yeah. things so all right well, we only have three minutes so it's good then all right <laughs> okay. go uh so these are things everyone's already talked about already so bear with me but my first one is rocket raccoon number one I've been away three weeks, so sue me. Um, I loved it. I loved it so much. You know, at the Best Of show, we talked about, I think somebody asked us who uh, our most overrated artist was, and I mentioned Scotty Young. And everyone was really outraged at me until I mentioned that I love his art. I just think that he's better than those ex-baby covers. And when he was announced as the artist for Rocket Raccoon, as well as the writer, but more specifically the artist, I was stoked. And I really, really wanted to see him, like, do, you know, these interiors and showcase what he's really made of. And he delivered on every single front. This book is phenomenal. The writing is so great. The banter, I was laughing out loud, you know, walking around Seattle and reading this. It's so perfect. And I thought I would like this book. I had a hunch I would like it. I didn't realize how much I would like it. Um, He's got the banter down and just the whole vibe of Rocket Raccoon to a T. He's really encapsulated everything that I think a talking raccoon with machine guns should be. Um, Except for maybe the whole ladies man thing. That's a bit weird, but whatever. Um, The Easter eggs in that double page spread in the wrestling room or wrestling room in the wrestling arena with Groot, like all the the Captain America stuff and the Southern Bastards and Earthworm Jim and all those other things were just what this is so cool (laughs) loved it so much like honestly a perfect first issue uh my second book is thor and loki the 10th realm wrote a review on this on the site but just in case you didn't see it i thought i was gonna hate this book because i just didn't like the idea of where they were taking it um and 
for those who don't know, Angela is going to be announced as Thor and Loki's sister, or rather has been. Um, there's not really a lot of Angela in this book. The whole first issue kind of deals with uh, them, you know, discovering that they have a sister um, and, you know, starting the process of rekindling their family bond, which is non-existent. Um, <laughs> Really liked it. I like the direction they're going. I like the tenth realm thing, and I love. There's only the artist switches up for the last page where they show you the tenth realm for the first time, and I thought that was a really cool thing to do. Um, deliberately just do a different art style to showcase an entirely different world, and I loved it. That artist is amazing. Didn't love the art for the rest of the book, like the colors and all that stuff. Didn't. It wasn't amazing to me. I liked it. But um, that art in the last page was just like, whoa. Or the second last. You know what? You may know what I'm talking about. That was Isad Rivik, right? No, it's no. Simon Bonacci. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, I don't have too much more to say about it. Really interested to see where they go. I love the character of Angela. So I, I, I'm down with it. I am cool with what's going on in this book. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, speaking of Thor and things you're not cool with um <laughs> uh you were not here um last week obviously because i fired you yeah um and, and i wanted to keep you up the show but i was forced to bring you back on it's true uh, we had a contract yes yeah. yeah it's part of your contract i couldn't mm-hmm. uh, i didn't want to pay your uh your, uh, your out clause. yeah <laughs> yeah my lawyer would have come after you i know big time big time um Tiger lawyer yeah <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. But obviously last week um, we, we had uh, actually ended up being two uh, big announcements, but um, you know, the specific one we're talking about is, and you probably the other one too, cause it, 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 you know, it's connected, but um, the, the Thor announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously if people didn't listen to last week, if they're, if you're new to the show, if you haven't been keeping up with stuff, um, they announced on the view uh, last week that uh Thor would be now a woman, and they haven't said who it's going to be yet. Um, but that's what technically they did say who it was going to be. Whoopi said it was going to be her. Well, right. Yeah. So, so Whoopi Goldberg is now Thor. Um, <laughs> I spoilers. Read, I would read that. She's spoilers. much taller than I thought. Spoilers. And for well, anyone who thought it might be Angela, the new Avengers uh, squashed that as well. Since new Thor and Angela are both depicted in that. Yeah, and the Avengers Now poster. Oh, sorry, right. yes. Yeah, yeah, Avengers Now. The the Angela and the new Thor are, are actually staying next to each other. So that one is off. So we're, I think we're down to probably Valkyrie or Sif or probably the two. Or uh, Terrain. likely. What? Or Terrain. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, it's true. Um, so uh, so, they're all, so the, they're, there's that. And then um, obviously they announced that um, Sam Wilson is going to be Captain America on Colbert Report. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think we already kind of knew that already from the poster that they had shown yeah. a, while, a while ago. Yeah. Um, so it's not, I don't get really that big of a news. Um, but uh, Stephanie, why don't you kind of give your opinion? Cause you didn't get to be on the show last week and, sure. and, 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 and chime in. Um, yeah. I touched a little bit about this on the misfits. Uh, poor Melissa didn't really know anything about it though. So it's just kind of <laughs> me and Mara. Um, but Bobby and I did have a big back and forth. Back and forth, back and back forth, and back and forth. <laughs> about it. So you might have caught that, but uh, I'll touch on what Bobby and I discussed after. Uh, but the, that aside, I think it's really great that you know two of the biggest Avengers are having major shakeups. You know, Thor's becoming a woman, sort of, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, is stepping down. So Sam 
Wilson can take the mantle of Captain America, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, I think it's also really important to note, though, with the Thor news that um, last week when the announcement happened, they spent a lot of time being like, this isn't she Thor, this isn't Thorita, this isn't Lady Thor, this is Thor. But that's not right. That's actually not right. You know, this isn't Thor becoming a woman. This isn't the character of Thor. Thor still exists. Thor is sulking in a corner. Thor is still Thor. This is just a female character, again, like Valkyrie or Sif or Tyrene, taking over, uh, like they're getting the powers of Thor because this person is the worthy uh, holder of Thor's hammer. So... It's really important to note that Marvel spent a lot of time telling us that this is Thor, when in fact it's not. I think the, I think the confusion was people were starting to think that Thor was getting a sex change. Well, I think that's that was, what would have yeah. been at least kind of, I don't know. When Eric Masterson held the hammer, mm. the book was still Thor, and he was right. Yeah, Thor. right. So it. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's the mantle of Thor. Thor right. It's yeah. confusing only because there are. But it's going to be, be two entities, you know? Because right. what do you call? Former Thor. Yeah, he's I mean, Thor because it's, it's his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> but it's I'm, Irving. Obviously, it's still Irving Thor because let's just hypothetically say it's Valkyrie. Valkyrie will be Valkyrie, but with the powers of Thor, and she'll be the lead in the Thor book. She won't be Thor, but she'll be the lead. Right, but they'll probably call her Thor. I'm gonna I, guess. I don't think so. I I'm mean, gonna guess they're gonna call. Why her would Thor. you call her Thor when hammer, she's Valkyrie? She's well, I think if she wields the power of Thor, that she is Thor. I think that's the, kind of the point. Yeah, of, but of, that's—I don't know. That's, it's happened in the books that before. Seems silly to me. Yeah, you know, it's happened in the books before that seems with silly. other people. I mean, who weren't that person. I think that's more confusing <laughs> than just you know straight out saying this person just has the powers of Thor, especially when we know Thor is coming back. Well, of course, Thor's going back. Yeah, I mean, and that's whatever we knew that was inevitable, but yeah, I think that's more confusing. Like, I just mm. think. You know, it's it's a weird way to go about it. Um, and Bobby and I had a discussion about whether or not it was a bit gimmicky because of how they announced it. But I also want to say, you know, a lot of the people tackling uh, big characters, whether it's, you know, G. Willow Wilson uh, with uh, Kamala Khan or Kelly Sudaconic with Carol Danvers, you know, when they talk about the books, they spend a lot of time, you know, being like, I just want women to have somebody to look out, like, you know, to a role model in comics and I'm really excited to be writing this character. And there's a lot of, you know, wanting to just have representation in comics. And it seemed a bit off to me, not because of anything really that Marvel or Jason Aaron said, but it's what they didn't say, which, you know, was exactly that. Like it wasn't about trying to give, you know, a new like focus it's just like, no, let's focus solely on the fact that, you know, this isn't she Thor, this isn't this. And like, they just kept saying that part over and over again. Like, this is the Thor, like, you've never seen it before. Well, yeah, because she's going to be a woman. And it just, it just felt off to me that they were spending so much time with the wording of this and not really talking about the fact that this is a big deal for women in comics. Mm-hmm. It, they just were showcasing the fact that it's a woman. Aren't you guys happy? Boobs! Which I'm going to come back to in a second because the view. 
the venue in which they decided to, you know, reveal this. Um, Bobby and I, again, this was a thing we also got into. And initially, Bobby and Melissa, uh, we talked about the view and a bunch of people were like, well, what if it was this? What if it was this? What if it was this? And I was like, okay, cool. Fine. They're trying to reach a new audience. Cool. Okay, I'm over it. But then I watched the, like, recording of it. And that is such bullshit. I am so sorry to anybody who thought that was a good idea. But really, Whoopi, like, does the announcement. And for the next four minutes, they talk about breast armor and her boobs. And if you're telling me that was a good way to announce that book, like, really? You... just thanks for you know giving being all the stereotypes Ugh. so that really frustrated me and whether they were trying to reach a new audience or whatever or it was just a gimmick fine but the way that Whoopi and the other women on the view went about you know talking about this big news was ridiculous was absolutely ridiculous and then it was just like seriously like such a punch in the face to see them announce Captain America on the Colbert Report and you know I get it I get why you do it on Colbert Report I actually love that show there's nothing you know I don't have anything against it and it it makes sense it makes a ton of sense because Colbert actually has you know a history of loving this character he has the shield on his wall and it's cool I get that but why couldn't they do that for the Sheathor announcement? You know, why does you, do you get a cool late night show for the guy announcement, but because you couldn't find anyone else who wanted to take on the Sheathor news, we get passed off to the view. That was my problem. So <sighs> cool things that there's representation coming from Marvel. Not so cool how they chose to, you know, go about it. Um, I want to I could talk quickly about the because I want to actually I want to get Bob's take on this. I should have this up earlier about the Captain American news because if anybody's going to talk about the Captain American news, it'd be Bob. Um, what do you think about the idea of Sam Wilson taking up the mantle? I'm torn a little bit. There's no one more deserving, mm-hmm. having been his partner for ten years mm-hmm. in, in the books, and you know one of the first African American characters back to Cap one fourteen to one seventeen back in 1969. Helped him beat the Red Skull and so on and so forth. They've been through a lot. And my caveat to it is, in the midst of so much love for the Falcon on the movie, I would think just boosting the Falcon Hmm. would be fine. Maybe you should just have Cap Shield and be the Falcon and just leave him as the Falcon. And it would be just fine visually. It would be Hmm. interesting. And I think at some level it diminishes the Falcon. It's hard to put this in a way that's not going to come off sounding really weird. But it's sort of, as what Stephanie's saying about putting a character, making a character announcement in a place that seems like a pander move, in this way it's sort of giving Sam sloppy seconds. Okay. And he's taking up somebody else's mantle when Mm. his character has been around for 45 years. Falcon's a pretty cool dude all by himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I understand, like, Sorry, can I chime in? Or do yes. Okay. Um, I understand, you know, a, a couple people also showed me, you know, this perspective where it's not going to be as big a deal if you're like, Valkyrie is now Thor. 
and like mm. the fa- or the Falcon is going to have Captain America's shield. Like it doesn't make as big an impact as saying there's a new Captain America. There's a new oh, sword. Yeah, like yeah. I get that, but at the same time, you are like that's a lot of my concern as well, Bob. Right. I mean, here's what here's what I'll say. I think that what I think is awesome about this is there is now now in a book called Captain America, there is an African American man who is now Captain America. And nothing says you represent the country that you mm-hmm. live in more in the comic book world than being called Captain America. So I think that's awesome. You know, I, I think that the more representation that's out there, and I don't care what, for us, I don't give a shit. You know, I, I, we all know who we are. We don't need, you know, you know I, I'm not worried about that. But for people who are developing that sense, you know, about what they can do and who they are, you know, a lot of, we all grew up with a lot of, white males being they are the heroes you know mm-hmm. and it and it tells you in some in sort of subconscious way as a child i can be a hero you know that could be me i could be behind that mask i could be that guy and what it subconsciously tells other people is i can't be that guy i you know in other words i have to be the other guy you know in a lot of ways um or other girl or, or i have to be the whatever it is you know and, and i th- i think the fact that you know what? It's maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years. Because again, it's the thing, same thing with Superior Spider-Man is going to happen with both this Thor and with Captain America. When there's a movie, I don't know if it's going to be the Avengers movie, but it, if, or be their solo titles whenever they mm-hmm. come out another one, it's going to go back to the to the, yeah. the the main character, to the to the original holder of of that mantle. But I think if you can get a couple of years, and it could be somebody's formative years, you know, it, it, I, I think I think it feels like you know, John Stewart being the Green Lantern, oh. you, you know, to me in a lot of ways. It would be cool if from this, at the very least, you build up enough of a profile for Sam Wilson in the comics on his own, you know, yeah. for new readers specifically, so that maybe he can have a spinoff title of his own that, you know, he can carry. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, in all those years ago, it was issue 134, where he was actually Cap's co-starring partner. Right, name, yeah. Name in Absolutely. the title. He wasn't kid sidekick. Right. Even no. though there's a joke in one of the Mighty Avengers. You know, my last name is not, you know, he's not Captain America and the Falcon or whatever. Right. It's not my name. <laughs> so he just, you got to, it was pretty brave of Stan all mm. those years ago and Gene Colan to, to do that. Yeah. But you got to be brave again. You know, that, and that, that's, that's but, my thing is like, it's been, but Bob, it's been 30 years since I know, the Falcon but would, was a would star. It be, would it be braver to give him a solo book or is it just the business of comics that we have to give him somebody else's mantle? Oh, look, we know Steve is going to be it. back. Yeah. Right. I, I know Steve's going to be back, so it's, I'll get right, right to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as if this is the change forever. No. And the difference with Jon Stewart to me was he came out of left field. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he was another character that Hal Jordan had to go find right. to take the ring while he went on vacation. Mm-hmm. This is someone we've seen before and have seen for a very long time. Right. And I, I don't want to dismiss how important it is. I just don't know that it isn't dismissive as well to the character he was previously. I'm sorry, Steve. Go. Um, I mean, when I heard the news, I mean, Bob, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what, what everybody's saying. Um, I see it kind of as, a, as an honor to, to be Captain America, to have that title and be that character that if someone is stepping down that you're having sam wilson come in an african-american character i mean that is like i said i I think it's an honor same thing with the thor you know you could have another character that comes into a fray and now we have a falcon title that doesn't sell as many copies because it's yet another book that you know people are going to have to pick up and whatnot but you're making him you're changing the story so that for a time he is captain america 
And for as long as that lasts, that's going to be a really, really important part of comic book history. Could he survive on his own in a solo title? Yeah, he's an awesome character. I'm sure there would be people that would love to buy that book. Mm-hmm. I think that more people will buy that book, and it's more s- symbolic of, of of him of rising to 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 this level of importance by being given the Captain America name and shield and position. But I mean, they have the Iron but, Patriot book. Right, which is not selling like anything. I right. know, but I mean, at the same you time... Know, it's already been canceled. Yeah, it's already been canceled. That's what, I, that's what, I, and that's what it comes down to it to me, is the fact that, you know, it, it does nothing. It's a nice gesture to be like, here's a Falcon book that will be on mm. the stands for six months to a year, and then it's gone forever. You know, it, that was the case. But don't it, you it, think that maybe that doesn't necessarily fall with, like, you know, readers so much as Marvel for not promoting those books enough? I don't know. I mean, I, when it comes down to it, it comes down to readers buying those books or not. I mean, you know, but and, you're and, promoting only these big characters making these big switches instead of maybe also focusing on some of these other books that deserve a chance. Well, I mean, if, if, the, but if they're going to make a boom in the, in, in, on TV, you know, the, they're not going to talk about characters that people don't know. Well, you know, that's because comics now. is still, you know, taboo on news and stuff. But, you know, if Marvel and DC and other people stop making it taboo and actually, you know, they let's DC is Warner. Marvel is Disney. They own fucking everything. Make no, I know effort. that. No, I mean, I'm not like I just want yeah. them to, you know, like stop making it a big thing because we've made this one announcement this year on TV. So obviously this is a big deal. Things get announced on TV all the time. Make it common make it a regular well, yeah, thing that start... happens so that the yeah. news about these things get out there well they've got to start somewhere but not on the <laughs> you, view you know what i mean they've got to start somewhere so i, I but i but my point is that i don't think and i understand what you're saying but i think that it's important to say there look i'm not going to say that part of it isn't to make money because that's exactly what it's to mm-hmm. do <laughs> that's yeah. that's the whole point of running a commercial organization is to make money um it's up to the writers and the artists that make these books to make them more than that, you know? Because mm-hmm. Marvel's never going to greenlight a book. They go, we're definitely going to lose money on this book. They're never going to greenlight that book. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense for them. So the, you, 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 you just make a decision based, A, on how can, we, how can we sell more books? If that decision is how can we sell more books that also makes the medium more inclusive, then I'm okay with it. And I'm also okay with it if Jason Aaron and Rick Remender and these people can make these books but worth if, something more not a gimmick. than but, the gimmicks that they might seem like on the surface. You know, another way you Wait. could go about this is people follow creators for the most part. I know people do follow characters as well, but I think the bulk of readers tend to follow creators. And, you know, these B-list, C-list books tend to go to smaller creators that don't have um, as much, you know, uh, of a name for themselves yet. But what if you put somebody like I don't know, Rick Remender on Iron Patriot. Like, it's a lot about the teams and, you know, what you're putting into these books. And that kind of shows, you know, how much faith you have that this could succeed. Absolutely. Steve? Um, I mean, I, the way that I see it is that you're, you're taking these characters that you're giving them these timeless mantles, like the Captain America or Thor there's nothing to be said that this can't go on for a while that by making these, you know, lesser known characters to, to the public and whatnot, mm. the bringing them into these bigger stories and giving them the name and giving them the title, 
that you can't take that time to bolster that character to the point that when it ta- when it comes time to mo- doing a shift again and the original Steve Rogers or Thor Odinson coming in and reassuming the mantle that that character the time that they've spent in that position didn't doesn't get them to the point where now we're going to split them off and now they can carry their own successful title cuz guess what you really loved Iron Patriot as Cap and you really loved whoever the hell Thor is going to be as Thor now that they're coming back, these characters obviously are still really important to you. So now we've got Rick Remender or we've got so-and-so coming out with this series and we're going to spin it off of their stories. Now that they're giving up the hammer, they've got this you know, job to do or this grudge to mm-hmm. settle or whatever. Yeah. And we're going to continue those adventures under their old name. And guess what? Now everybody's a fan of Iron Patriot. Everybody's a fan of Angela or Valkyrie or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that's the, that would be fantastic, obviously. And the funny thing is all this stuff happened. They also announced a huge change up of not a character change up, but for Iron Man gets a new writer, gets a new, you know, Tom Taylor is writing the superior Iron Man now where he kind of goes like a little bit kooky. You know, he like, he, yeah. you know, he decides to like, con- you know, like con- use the, his machines to control, you know, the, the entire city. Um, and no one's even talking about it because obviously it wasn't announced in these big things. Because every time you put another word in front of the main title, I'm just done with it automatically. Superior Iron Man. That's comic books. That's what comic books do. Stop it, Marvel. Just stop it. So you should never have read Uncanny X-Force. The Amazing Amazing Spider-Man. That's comic books, Stephanie. Don't really read Amazing Spider-Man. But you've read it before, and it's it's, how things started. It's thing. These other, it's just yeah, ridiculous now. But what does it matter? <laughs> I don't know. It just. <laughs> What's the difference? Uh, the book's yeah. good. The book's good. And Tom Taylor's awesome. So let's move on. Let's talk about our actual books of the week. We didn't even do that yet. Um, Stephanie, why don't you tell us, what is your book of the week? My book of the week actually ties into one of Bob's lightning round books of the week. And mm. um, something that. Bobby and a few people on Twitter recommended to me after I tweeted about wanting to know about Stargirl. Um, so, again, I've been talking about this a bit online, so forgive me if I'm just repeating everything that I've already said to everyone, but uh, I read Justice League of America issues 8 through 14, uh, the Forever Evil tie-ins. Mm. Um, so that was, like, leading up to the last of this series, and it's really Stargirl's origins and leading into the Justice League of Canada, because I'm not calling it the other name. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I, first of all, I really want to thank Bobby. And there was a couple other people online who did mention this to me. And Bob, I am sorry for not asking you. I should have just done that. (laughs) Did you get my email? (laughs) I did. I did. And I'm going to go back and find some of the other stuff too. But I have been a, I, I don't even know where my mind was. Why didn't I just ask Bob? It was like <laughs> the simplest answer to everything. Um, <laughs> what about Bob? Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Justice League of America, this was more than I ever could have expected it to be. I had no expectations going into it. Uh, Bobby had, you know, sung its praises and said it was great. But, I mean, who knows really how great it is if Bobby says it's good. Oh, thanks. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. That was mean. Um, But, you know, I had no idea what the plot is. I haven't been reading Forever Evil. And this was such a great tie in because I felt like I didn't need to read the Forever Evil stuff. You know, that was happening, but it wasn't, you know, taking away from the story that was going on. 
Um, I loved Stargirl. I loved her, you know, her whole reason for being a superhero. I loved everything about her origin and what she stood for. And I mean, I haven't read a ton with Martian Manhunter either. So getting him to kind of be the co-star of this book was great too. And that was something that I didn't know about it either. So it was kind of a, you know, a double whammy kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. I just made it up. It is. No, okay, it is. good. Um, but yeah, so I, I loved seeing their interactions too. And you know, how, they have to rescue the rest of the Justice League after everything goes to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked her reasoning. Like, she's not the strongest character. She's not the most powerful. She's, you know, not the most well-disciplined. But because of other reasons, including, you know, her motives, she is the only one that can really save everyone. Um, and I thought that was interesting. They didn't give you a ton of background into... Um, the previous was it Starman and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they gave you just enough to understand that she wasn't the first uh, person with this power set and mm-hmm. with these, uh, you know, tools. Right. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was great. I thought the art was fantastic. Like she looks like, you know, a young girl. Like she looks like how she should. Um, yeah. And it's Doug Mankey, right? Is the I think is mo- is the art on most of it. I think so. I don't honestly know off the top of my head because I didn't write stuff down, and I have no. I, I bought these issues. Like I went and found them at Xanadu Comics in Seattle, and I have no idea where I put them now. <laughs> I am the worst. And Matt Kent is the writer on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm and that sure. was yeah. great too because you know I haven't really read a lot of his stuff since Mind Management, and I'm sure there's something else I'm forgetting that he did that I really enjoyed, but. Um, it was very kind of, you know, mind management is obviously like a mind fuck. It's just like, what is happening? And there was a little bit of that too in here. Like it was like, there was some stuff that was like meta. It's like, is this reality? Or is it in their minds? Or is it in their minds' minds? Or is it in the prison of their minds? Or is the prison just like their minds? Yes, like, there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> there was just a lot of crazy stuff like that. But it felt very Matt Kent. And he wasn't trying to, you know, over overload you with all of that he just kind of was writing in his own style with these characters um and i really enjoyed it i can't you know say enough good things about it i actually picked up the justice league of canada (laughs) uh all of the issues so far and they actually say justice league of canada except i went to go pick up the latest issue at xanadu and i picked up all the others there and i was like oh i can't find the justice league of canada issues like nobody seemed to buy that we only sold like one or two of the other ones I'm like i was buying them I was. <laughs> so then i had to buy the the title that shall not be spoken um, <laughs> but i haven't dove into that stuff yet but i'm really excited and especially that you know at uh, leaving issue 14 star girl is um set up to be the leader of that group and I think that's really cool. Um, DC's doing like some subtle things to, you know, uh, be progressive and to have diversity in their books. And I think this is a really great book for that. She's a great character. And Jeff Lemire is the writer on um, Justice League of Canada, correct? Yes. And I think he'll do a really great job with that when I eventually get to it, which could be tomorrow, could be a week from now, could be 
a year from now. I don't know. Hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. <laughs> but um, that is my, it's technically more than one book of, but you know, it's, it's the run of the forever evil tie-ins. Yeah. Which is actually was, is without question, the best issues of the entire series. Um, and, and really elevated that series above where it had been previously. And that issue where, um, you know, where you really get to know her motivations, like you were saying, Stephanie, that, it, that I talked about in the show, but where Marsh Manhunter is talking about why she is going to, she's the one that's able mm-hmm. to save them is really emotional and wonderful um, yeah. piece of writing. And there's a lot of, you know, heartbreaking stuff in it for her, but you know, it's not like her parents were murdered. She's more or less like a typical kid. Um, and because of her desire to change things, bad stuff happens. But she's always wanted to be a better person and to better the world. And I think her story is really great. And I really want more people to know about her and to read about her. Because I think, you know, she's so far really underrated considering how little I knew about her and how little I've heard other people talk about her. Mm. I mean, Bob... What's what's her origin in the new 52? um, From what you can tell in the book, you know, she... Her mother... Uh, like uh, marries this guy and he is like the kind of steward of this this yeah, equipment this his, star man his equipment. best friend okay. was the star yeah cosmic rod yeah his best yeah. friend i think i guess was star man i guess yeah. that's the well, you're, and uh and she just finds it one day and she decides to go out and be a, a superhero and, and reasonably and then, the same. Right. yeah like her parents kind of find out uh, about it and they they don't want her to stop because they they realize her motives are good too and then he trains her like with everything his friend kind of taught her yeah, yeah. Or she taught didn't him. she she didn't get the cosmic rod or use the as a staff mm. initially it was finding legacy world war 2 superhero stuff oh, okay and a giant robot all right <laughs> cuz she originally appeared in a stars and stripes s t r i p <laughs> miniseries that was very you know, actually it didn't start as a mini and then ended up in the justice society mm. and was mentored by those older heroes it's mostly jeff johns yeah and in this one the one i have in front of me actually is her origin from the old 52 it's jsa all-stars number four from 2003 uh mike mccone on art and you even get a backup story of the other star man oh just cool. for fun done in a very oldie mm-hmm. sort of style uh, but remember, it was a couple of weeks ago we were talking JSA. Somebody had asked, and I vapor locked this because I don't mm. remember which one was JSA and which was Justice Society. Right. It's the Justice Society of America. It's in 2007. We talked about this on one of our book clubs. It's the sort of sequel to Kingdom Come. Yeah. Right. And so you've got the World War II heroes, the older fellas, this young group. You got a couple of really nice Courtney issues in that whole mess, including uh, two within. Uh, JSA classified there's Steve Englehart and because the book split at one point into the younger kids in JSA All-Stars and mm. the other team before they came back together and all got canceled but <laughs> I just don't know how related they are anything in the old 52 to the new anymore as to right. whether or not people want to dr- dive backwards into well I'm going to guess that the Stargirl stuff that Jeff Johns did in the old 52 was probably pretty similar to this because he's like a giant fan of that character Okay, um, I know that he kind of um, when he was writing, he wrote a story in one of the, her books that was 
somewhat about his sister who died. Yes. She it's did, a plane crash. Plane crash. The, T- yes. the TWA crash that happened yes. here on Long Island. Um, her, his sister died in that plane crash. Um, and so he wrote a story kind of dedicated to her with Courtney in, mm-hmm. in that book. So, um, yeah, he's a big he's a big proponent of that character. So She's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Is that all for you, Stephanie? That is. All right. Awesome. Um, Bob, what do you got for us? Okay, dokie. On that same sort of tip, as they say. <laughs> that, look at that. Wow. Getting old. Hipster. I just had an old TLC song get stuck in my <laughs> head. Oh, boy. It is Ms. Marvel number six, G. Willow Wilson, and fill-in artist Jacob Wyatt, Ian Herring on colors, Joe Caramagna <laughs> on letters. Manya? Is it a soft G or a hard G? Manja. I think it's a hard G. Okay. Um. Well, anyway, we, we have a, a lovely Jamie McKelvey cover of Kamala who, you know. Cover's hilarious. Girl, girl, girl has to get her text messages even when she's foiling a bank robbery, it right? It looks to me like she's taking a perfectly timed selfie. <laughs> it could be. It's just, you know, rubber arming, Smack. smashing the guy in the background. Click. Send it to Instagram. <laughs> well, uh it's a new story arc, but does pick up on threads from the other. She's been going out on patrol because she's Jersey City's only costume crime fighter, after all. She's trying to hunt down the inventor who had, uh, who headed that, that really lousy bunch of <laughs> villains in the last issue and had kidnapped yeah. all those runaway kids and that cult thing going on. And then she's trying to just make sure Jersey City's fine. You know, got to keep the city safe for Joy Brasino, right? Absolutely, Joey has to, you know. <laughs> Someone's got to. Got to have a safe place to teach. That's right. So she encounters some of his robot watchdogs who even managed to sniff her out when she's disguised as a couch. She, oh <laughs> man. Is, I haven't read the issue hysterical. yet. She actually, she morphs to a couch. Yes. Yeah. That's I'm, fantastic. I'm not going to spoil too much of the issue, but yeah, she's a couch <laughs> with a mask. Uh, if we eventually <laughs> get a table and chairs, I'm going to freak out. Well, <laughs> oh, that could be next. Uh, well, it, she manages to blow up a couple of robots. She gets a... a She's a young girl. She's got a cell phone. She gets a call from her brother that really scares her. Forget robots and supervillains. She has to talk to Sheikh Abdullah Uh-oh. at the mosque. And it's all about her going out at night and sneaking out of the house and whatever. So now she's really sort of petrified. They have just... And I'm, I'm, I, I read, made one speech today. I'm not going to make another. But they have such a wonderful, lovely conversation about responsibility and helping people and how that whole works. And it just tells you everything you need to know about Kamala Khan and why this book is I've taken it so much mm-hmm. to heart. It's just, just beautifully done. And it's a moment that disarms you because you're expecting, oh, he's going to read her the right oh, yeah, act. totally. And it goes the other way. It was the last issue where she had a similar talk with her father, but then it turns on something. Mm-hmm. So we, she hears about having to find a teacher to help her help. Mm-hmm. She's, she's wandering around discovers the sewer outside the circle Q seems to be malfunctioning yeah. it's growling <laughs> which isn't the best thing so she puts on her superhero gear and goes flying down into the sewer to find out what's gone wrong down there she meets the inventor we won't say too much beyond yeah. that and a special guest star Yeah, some very fun stuff this is just another great little slice of life book the- oh we have to talk about the guest star Oh, Come on. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to not spoil it. Steve, go to the bathroom or it's something. It's not a spoiler. It's half the book. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> it's a mutant, which which becomes part of the conversation. Our guest star is... Don't, don't make him look. It's 
don't look. You didn't look at this list. It's either, did you? I can't hear a word you're okay, saying. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. My ears are covered. Um. <laughs> it's it's Wolverine, yeah. and it is absolutely brilliant. It addresses the situations in his book at this point. Yeah. Can and I just read the one where Steve Covering is here? Can I read the one line? This line she says to him when she finds out he doesn't have healing factor. So like now you're just a short, angry man who punches stuff? Yeah, and, Amazing. And, and, and he says, I knew I liked you for some reason <laughs> yeah, right when I first saw you. Fantastic. She, she blabbers on about her fan fiction. And All I right, think spoil we're, we're good now. You can, you can uncork your ears. Just a beautiful use of that character in what could have been a gimmick but isn't. Steve's giving himself a stroke. You can take, you're, you can you're take you're your hand off. Adrian Alfano will be back, and you look at the uh, solicits mm-hmm. further on, but I think this the art here is very much keeping in character with what we've seen before. Yeah, it's not as awesome as it was before. It's still there. Yeah. And because of the writing, and really the color in the mm-hmm. letters, it's it's equal in tone as opposed to the art from that She-Hulk that I didn't quite like <laughs> in this new couple of issues. But yeah. This, this is how you fill in mm-hmm. just... I, I look forward to this book more than anything else on the stand every month. I really wish there'd be more of these. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want the, the quality to degrade, <laughs> but if they ship this three times a month, I'd be fine. That's why I covered my ears, because it is one of my favorite books, and I didn't want to know. Hey, you want to see? You want to see? We'll show you. No, we'll show you. I don't. I really, I've already, I already saw the bird dude. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the bird dude's awesome. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else you got for us? Moving Bob? on. It's related Okay. In an odd sort of way, I went really retro here. I was debating till the very last minute. But it's the Captain Marvel special from 1989. It's the Monica Rambo Captain Marvel. Oh. And this is by Dwayne McDuffie, the late Dwayne McDuffie, who worked on the Justice League animated series as well as creating the milestone characters for DC. Did a great run on Black Panther and the Fantastic Four a couple of years ago. And Mark Doc Bright, in a very sort of classic old-fashioned style, this takes place, now, Captain Marvel was introduced in its uh, Amazing Spider-Man annual that I thought I had around the house, but don't, so it's not here. It's number 16 from 1982. But she actually joined the Avengers back in number 227. And in a terrible battle with the transformed Marina, who was part of Alpha Flight, the green sea goddess girl, she turned into a giant sea serpent monster, which you do, I guess. <laughs> uh, Monica, to stop her, used up all her powers and ended up like a thousand years old and no, had no powers. So this picks up where now her powers are gone. She's back home in New Orleans. She was a lieutenant in the Harbor Patrol. She was actually a real captain. And in this mm-hmm. case, she goes back to being captain on a steamship. I mean, she's going to take a load down to South America. There's going to be, yeah, you know, it's just like a regular book and pirates show up. Not you know not our pirates, but you right, know Captain yes. Phillips kind of pirates yeah. show up, and not the lovable kind. No, no, no. They are also headed up. She, they're doing some bad things. I don't want to spoil. Not what's the difference? People, the, don't spoil the, it. The, the, spoil it. <laughs> yeah. What am I talking about? Uh, the pirates come and they start killing the crew. They're going to kill the passengers, and Monica's left no powers. And what are you going to do? And then she manages. She, she's packed in her suitcase, the superhero suit, because, well, what the heck? <laughs> she sneaks away, puts it on, and pretends to still be Captain Marvel, because she's actually been, having been trained in martial arts by Captain America, she knocks out three of these guys. I mean, she's a hero whether she has powers or not. While she's got them thinking about it, oh, we, we, they're going to surrender, supervillain named Powder Keg shows up who can explode and do all sorts of terrible things with a name like that, you can imagine. There's something on this boat they want. It's some technology that a crime boss 
whose name, oh yeah, Christina Ramos, wants Stark Technologies on this boat. So now the whole boat's going crazy. It's blowing up. She's trying to run and stop this guy at once. Her powers sort of come back, but they're different. So eventually she succeeds, moves on, fights the other baddie. And um, some bad things happen over there. And there's a guest appearance by one of her villains from before Moonstone, Carla Soffin, who is in the Dark Avengers mm. slash Thunderbolts, whatever you, it's, what you want to call it from back then. But this is just a beautifully written story by Dwayne McDuffie. Obviously, he loved this character. And it just shows on, on every page in every caption because it shows that she's a hero no matter what her circumstance. And just not enough of that where there are characters that they're defined by their powers. They're defined by the circumstance using those powers. Here it's no, she's just a hero. Mm -hmm. Whether she's a policewoman, she's just Monica. And for those reading Mighty Avengers, though there aren't too many of us, and I hear (laughs) the book is canceled. Oh, boy. So I've cursed another one. (laughs) It's it's on the... When did you hear that? About a week ago online. (laughs) So, yeah. But if, if you've been reading that, Monica, there are some throwbacks to this mm-hmm. in a new book this is just fun i'm sure this is something i bought this all these years ago and i just started thinking about it for, i had to go back and read mm-hmm. some some monica and she's in the avengers for about 10 years mm-hmm. and was the leader of the avengers until her powers disappeared but then she came back and she was in uh next wave she's right? in next wave they, yeah she's very funny in next wave right she's very funny in mighty avengers she's she brings that along with mm-hmm. her as she Give some sass to, to yeah. bad guys and yeah, she gets a lot of sass. Well, she's also like the one who's like, "Oh, I was in the Avengers." Like she yeah, always says that. To people. As well, she should. <laughs> so, if you get a chance, I'm sure this is something. It's the giant size special, Captain Marvel number one from 1989, Dwayne McDuffie and Mark Bright, and I'm sure it's in the quarter bin at your local store. <laughs> Don't pass it up just because it's in the quarter bin. This is a fine old fashioned comic book thing. Awesome, very nice, awesome. Steve, hello. Lay it on us. Tell us. Tell me about FBP. FPP, in my estimation, is one of the best books that I don't know if anybody's reading. Uh, I sat down over the past week and went through 1 through 12 all in one shot. I sat down, I read 1 through 3, and I picked up 4, and I'm like, oh, I'll read, you know, to the end of the arc, and then I'll switch it up, and I'll do it. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Picked up 4, really started to ramp up, and before I knew it, I had no more issues left in the pile, and I cried a little bit. <laughs> um Basically, the setup for FPP, first of all, FPP is presented by, it's written by Simon Oliver and art by Robbie Rodriguez with colors, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful colors by Rico Renzi and letters by Steve Wands. Uh, The setup for uh, FPP, or as it started, the number one issue is actually called Collider. Um, And then was uh, issue number two was moved over to be called FPP, uh, which stands for Federal Bureau of Physics. Uh, The deal is this, it's set way in the future. It's from Vertigo. And we're basically living in a world where when you dial 911, they ask you the state of your emergency. And one of the last options is physics. Uh, We're living in a world where physics have kind of gone haywire. For one reason or another, we don't really know just yet. There are wormholes and time distortions and tears in reality opening up all over the world. And the FBP is a special government organization who basically comes in with a special set of skills and equipment, and they basically set up shop to mend or heal your distortion, whether it be erratic gravity, 
um, there's little holes, kind of like if you think of the second Thor movie when they were dropping like the keys and the shoes into that little like time loop or whatever that that uh, corridor mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, lots of things like that going on, and so they call in this uh, specialist named Adam, and he goes in to basically deal with one of the one of the distortions that's happening at a local school, and winds up getting more or less pushed into this situation where he's having to repair all of reality. Um, it sounds really big. That's because it kind of is. And I'm absolutely shocked that this has been going on for as long as it has, considering how weird it gets. Uh, we read a lot of comics. And I'll tell you this. Not too many times have I like not seen something coming. Like you just, you know, you learn to read the signs and, you know, we read comics all the time. So when something is revealed, you know, it's, oh, that's cool. This was one of the first series that I've read in a long time where my jaw literally dropped. It was the end of issue number eight where they took everything that I've learned up until that point about what was going on in the story. And they also, they introduce another female character named Agent Reyes, who's a really interesting mysterious character and a really great uh kind of two sides of the coin to adam he's kind of like your playboyish you know um big man on campus kind of character and she's very reserved and she's kind of like weird and doesn't you know reveal a lot about herself so you got a good uh chemistry going on but i got to the last page and i just like i stopped and i went what the hell have i been reading this whole time you basically you learn something about the reality of the the past eight issues that you've been reading that makes you go back and question everything that you've read, and it it makes you question everything moving forward. How are what are the the circumstances and what are the consequences of everything that they're doing within within this story? Um, the other thing that I really really like about it is that often in comics I find that some of the organizations that we read about because they've been around for so long, they kind of like aim and stuff like that, or, you know, shield or spiral. Mm -hmm. They don't really spend a lot of time explaining who they are because we kind of know with the organizations that are set up in FBP. And there's also another organization that's kind of moving in on them and trying to set up like private insurance instead of a, a government funded thing, taking care of things, it'll be privatized and individually taken Mm -hmm. care of so on and so forth. They spend a lot of time kind of establishing who they are. And by doing that have created a really awesome, like villainous company. Like there's so many people working within this company that you just, you hate everyone that's involved with it. And I like that the organization, instead of feeling like this faceless thing, that's just constantly throwing things their way and throwing wrenches into the works. I actually hate them and I want them to be, you know, removed from the situation. So anyway, um, I really can't recommend it enough. If you like weird, the artwork is really cool. It's kind of a combination. If like Felipe Andre and, uh, Sean G Murphy, the artist from the wake and, um, punk rock Jesus, if they kind of blended together and, and got this, super super colorist that uses a lot of like really hot colors really deep oranges and reds and greens and 
just has created this absolutely beautiful world. And there's a lot of romance uh, within the story as well. Super, super fleshed out characters. And I mean, just moments in this that are so off the wall that I I love it. And one thing that I I will mention that I, I really have to commend the book for, even though to some people it might seem really ridiculous, but I do want to point it out. Um, one of the biggest things in Hollywood in general or in books that has always bothered me is the depiction of drug use, especially drugs such as marijuana. Um, it's often exaggerated the effects and the effects it has on people and how they act in film. One of the things I always point to is the movie Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in that scene where they're together and they're smoking and mm. it's the most absolutely ludicrous, rid- ridiculous portrayal of people smoking weed that I've ever scene in my life this book has characters that just it's a part of their culture it's a part of who they are and they have these really really incredible uh discussions that you almost feel like you're reading like not a textbook in a boring way but that you're reading like these really crazy philosophies and things about time distortion and about the consequences of changing the past and they get into these really deep conversations while they're like they're smoking and it's never brought up that they're that they're actively, you know, doing a drug and whatnot. And it's just it's treated with a lot of respect. And I have a lot of respect for that mm-hmm. as far as it being, you know, a form of entertainment where drugs are usually, you know, poo-pooed upon. This book handled it really, really well and made it kind of a casual part of a character that is one of the standout characters in the book. And I just Simon Oliver and Robbie Rodriguez, I really appreciate that they did that. I thought it was a, a big strength uh, to the book. My other book of the week, uh, I'm actually going to be sharing with Bobby because this is a this is a bit of an occasion yeah. that this was released. Uh, is Brian Lee O'Malley's Seconds? Uh, it's a graphic novel from the creator and Grand Poobah of the Scott Pilgrim series. Yeah. Holy crap! <laughs> um, I thought initially that this was going to be an animation. I was telling Bobby. Um, the book jacket is rather small and doesn't exactly wrap the whole book. So there's this blue portion at the top that I thought it was a movie. Come Wednesday, Rob takes it out of the box and puts it on the table. And I'm like, that's a book? He goes, yeah, it's the guy from Scott Pilgrim's next book. And I went, thank you very much. And just <laughs> snagged one of those, thank, put that on my pile. And it was the first thing I read, read it right away. And it was just spectacular. Like I, I had... I had all high hopes and intentions and excitement going into it, and it delivered on all all levels. Um, I'm going to try to pass it off to Bobby in a minute. I'll give you a, a description of what the setup is. Uh, the book is about a girl named Katie who essentially is in a pretty decent position in her life. She's the head chef at this place, this little like comfy restaurant called Seconds, where she happens to also live upstairs uh, from the restaurant. But she has dreams of moving away from there and kind of moving on with the next chapter of her life. And she's found on the other side of town, this dilapidated building that she has dreams of turning it into this amazing restaurant owned by her, operated by her. And that's her dream. Um, Come to find out, she's living upstairs uh, from Seconds. And one night she sees a mysterious girl um, basically sitting atop her dresser inside of her house. She's just about to fall asleep. She thinks that she sees this thing. And the little girl gets up, kind of gives her this, 
you know, knowing stare and leaps into the top drawer of Katie's dresser. The dresser had been there when she moved there. She goes to look in it and can't find anything with the exception of this tiny box that has a small notepad in it and basically explains that if you write down your mistakes inside of the notepad and you eat one of these mushrooms that was also supplied in the box, you can erase one mistake in your life. Uh, Katie, to make a long story short, does so, but also in the process finds a stash of these mushrooms. And before long, we have this character basically taking advantage of being able to erase her mistakes day by day, try to make things perfect and make things right. And just like any good story, it does not go well for Katie and for a number of people that she's involved with. Um, Moving on from the plot, there's some really wonderful um, support characters in this book between um, this character, Hazel, who is kind of in on the whole idea of the little girl that was seen on the dresser. Um, It happens that she is a... um, they call it a house house spirit? House spirit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the little girl on top of the dresser is a house spirit. Um, kind of the guardian of seconds and the guardian of the rules of this notebook and the mushrooms, so on and so forth. And then there's Max, who is the uh, boyfriend character who kind mm-hmm. of comes and goes and is wrapped up into this whole thing. Um, but before I, I have Bobby come in on this, I just want to say I really love that Brian O'Malley takes these characters kind of like just how Scott Pilgrim Scott Pilgrim was an asshole (laughs) he really was in the movie I I have not read the comics but from what I understand it was a pretty damn good adaptation Mm. of that material Um, Katie is not a likable person for the vast majority of this book even at the end I'm not even sure how I feel about her I don't know if the lesson was entirely learned Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of my favorite thing about it is that She's very human. She's very real. And the people around her in the situation are, they feel like real people. And I love the idea of somebody being, your main character being so dismissive of the rules and kind of throwing caution to the wind and not worrying about consequence and the harsh lessons that come with ignoring either the sage advice of the people around you that actually care and just being greedy and selfish is not the way to go about life mm. and life is not it's not perfect right it never will be perfect you know and it the book stresses the importance of you know doing your best and going out of your way for yourself to make the situation that you want in life you need to own it you need to earn it and i really really uh, aside from the absolutely just beautiful beautiful art and symbology all throughout the book um, I loved the lessons that I, I took away from it. It's one of the most powerful reads that I've had all year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's probably my favorite thing I've read so far this year. Um, it, it's it's pretty fantastic. And uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, you mentioned Scott Pilgrim and... Um, a little, uh, little throwback joke in there? I, I'm sure. The, the joke is funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bread will make you fat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was um, like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, the The... Just you know, it's I, I know it's probably like kind of the blessing and the curse of Brian O'Malley, right? That everything he does from now on is always going to be compared to Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I I think you're absolutely right. You know, Katie is incredibly human. You know, she she's selfish. She she wants to get what she wants, but she doesn't do it in a malicious way. She's not even thinking no. about it, right? She just does it because that's what that's what she does, and. 
you know, the lessons here, which I think are very, very, are very, very cool, are look, Scott Pilgrim is a 21 year old, you know, and he's, he's, that's a story about somebody beginning to learn about who they are. Yeah. Right? About beginning to, to come with groups of the fact that they're, they're in that next stage of their life. Um, but they're still, it's basically a kid, right? You know, they have kid concerns and that's about it. Um, Pilgrim, Pilgrim's main concern is I don't want to break this person's heart. That's basically his main concern, you know? Um, in this book, Katie is 29 years old. So she is basically, she's she's an adult and she's struggling. And I think the book is very much about leaving behind the excesses and the selfishness of youth to to try to become a more functional person, you know, in yeah. life. Um, she, the thing with the mushrooms, you know, she 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 eats the first one, and she does the first one. She does is a is an altruistic gesture. Yeah. She she a, a girl gets burned, and she sets it back to so the accident that got the girl burned doesn't get her burned. Every action from then on is completely selfish. It, it, it's she wants the boyfriend back. She wants to pick the right restaurant. She wants right. everything, and there's kind of a part of her, but the part of her too is that she kind of wants her cake and she wants to eat it too, right? So she she starts messing with the very thing that got her there, right? And she brings something from her other life that she w- seems like she wants to have left behind into this house, into seconds, and it starts to infest, you know, and and it yeah, and this 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 kind of dark presence happening. And one of the coolest things about it, right, is that and he does the same thing as Scott Pilgrim, which is that. He 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 int- introduces the the, the hypernatural into a very realistic story. Yeah, um, which is which is really great here. Um, and the thing about Katie, which I think is so interesting, is that she is selfish and she is sometimes mean spirited. Sometimes she's an idiot, but there's something because she's so human. There's something very likable about her to me. You know, I, I tend to. I, I there was part of me that goes. I wouldn't have made that decision, but I can see how you got to making that decision. Well, let, exactly. Right. If I could just jump in, I mean, yeah. it, I when I was reading the book, and I, you know, I took little tiny breaks to yeah. go make a sandwich and whatever. But I asked myself, I'm like, imagine if you found a, a genie's bottle. The mm-hmm. genie comes out and is like, you know, hey, and you're like, oh, I got wishes now. He's like, yeah, but you know, stories over time have kind of embellished the whole thing. You don't mm-hmm. get three, you get one. So make it a good one. And you make your wish, and you know your wish is granted, and you realize, oh man, I forgot this part, and oh, I forgot that part, and then you made a discovery that you lifted up like a floorboard, and there's you know twenty, thirty more lamps down there mm-hmm. that have all got their their own separate genies. Can I really sit there and ask myself, would I not, you know, rub the lamps and try and 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 make it perfect? Yeah. I probably would. Right, yeah, exactly. And that's the that conversation where she has. She wakes up after one of the things and she's with the, the guy in the bed and, and she's like crying. She's like, I, I just want it to be perfect and I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And that conversation could be had without the inclusion of the supernatural mm-hmm. at all. you know. And I think that's one of the best things about the book. I think that um, I, I, I love that there are these characters that ground her as well. I mean, Hazel is a great character to ground throughout the entire yeah. issue. Um, but the thing about it is like, there's these moments where she's gone kind of far and she's like, yeah, but at least I still have, you know, I still have this person that I love. I still have them, but she keeps pressing and pushing and going, even though she claims that she's happy, she keeps pressing and pushing. And it's just like in life. It's just like what people do. Even if they don't have a get out of jail free card, you know, people are like, I'm happy. And then they, they, they do something to throw a grenade into the fact that they're happy. And, 
all of that was great. All of the real life stuff is great, but but the, the supernatural story is also really cool and interesting and really smart and clever. Yeah. Um, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley obviously is the is the is the writer and the cartoonist on it. He does have um, a letterer, it's Dustin Harbin, and Nathan Fa- Fairbrain is his colorist. I, I I think this is the first time first edition that his stuff is in color because they yeah. released those Scott Pilgrim colored editions, but I'm pretty sure this is the first book. And this it's actually almost four years to the day that the last volume of scott pilgrim came out wow um that this came out but seconds by brian o'malley it's just it's it's fantastic it's one of those things what what you read it and energizes me about reading comic books did you notice that the tree that gets introduced at about in in Mm -hmm. mid story um is actually if you look at it as the shape of the brain and all the different all the different stars of the synapses cool yeah yeah, look at that there's a yeah there's some serious serious uh you know food for thought Mm -hmm. um i mean the whole book obviously gives you that but there's one one part in particular in the middle when the 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 idea of what's happening is kind of explained in this short little story this almost kind of like a little fable uh in the middle of the book that uh just makes you think of all sorts of other things and and other possibilities and the way that wishing things were different how they could affect the the grand overall you know, map of your life. Yeah. And it's also about, it's also about balancing, you know, between being respectful and being, and doing, and sticking out on your own, you know, cause there's a lot of talk about tradition here and doing the right thing. And there's also, a, there's also benefits to being that person who goes and, and takes a chance. Bob, were you going to say yeah. something? Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm reminded a little bit of a, of a very old movie. Well, not to me, it isn't, but to you guys, <laughs> it's from 1989, I guess it was Mr. Destiny. Oh yeah, Mr. Destiny with oh, uh, right. Jim, Jim Belushi, Belushi yeah, yeah. Linda Hamilton, where he wishes his life were different. If he had just hit that ball during the mm. high school baseball game, yeah. his whole life would have been better. Yeah. And he encounters a mystical bartender, Michael Caine, yeah. who changes things. And in the midst of it, it's better at some levels, but not. And he tries to reconnect with Linda Hamilton, who's mm. his real wife. Right. And she makes a point to him, well, if it was if everything was so great that you want to get it back, why did you think you need to change it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there is a lot of that here as well. I mean, it, it is, it is an absolutely yeah. amazing book. If you, if you love comics, you owe it to yourself to read it. it, it it's, it's just fantastic. Absolutely. Um, it makes me, it made me want to, actually, I wanted to start reading it again once I finished it. Yeah. And also maybe want to go back and read Scott Pilgrim again, because I, I just love, and I want to read that, that um, Lost at Sea, I think is his first book. I have, you know, I have that yeah. and I've never read Scott Pilgrim. I okay. think I read the first volume um, and then I heard the colored ones were going out yeah. and that was one of those like, oh, I'll just get it then. Yeah, and yeah. then of course it didn't happen. <laughs> are all the colored versions out? I don't think all of them are out yet, no. Balls. I think the first couple are out. Um, the color ones are gorgeous. In an omnibus, or are they little the little digest size know. ones that they came out originally? Because they're little, right? Yeah, they're digest. I have a couple of them over here. That yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's really really fantastic. Stephanie, <laughs> is she, is she has she muted us? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> no, sorry. I have to. I was saying earlier, like I have to do like medication, so I'm just like munching on things so I can take my medication for my tooth. <laughs> I was just curious. I, have you yeah. heard of the book? Are you are you gonna are you gonna seek it out? Seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah actually, I I'm just I I have it on hold. Actually, I just can't really buy anything right now. <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to put away uh, some of the pile to buy it. But yeah, it I'm gonna so I'm gonna it. trade a bunch of stuff in. Like I have a bunch of single issues I'm getting rid of. <laughs> I tried I tried uh, 
trading in some stuff the other day that I didn't want, and even Rob didn't want it. <laughs> I, felt, I was like, "Come on, man!" I'm like, "You could just, you could just have them." And he just goes, "Nah." <laughs> like, a whole store full of those. Yeah. Nah, maybe we'll give them away. I, I, I really want to read it, and there I was go. in the snail the other day, actually, um, just stopping in, and uh, it was like faced in the front. You know, and I was just like, oh, I want it so bad. And like a ton of my friends have been posting about it and posting videos or not videos like Instagramming uh, the beautiful book and little snippets. I knew about that uh, bread joke. I was like, damn it, ruined. <laughs> um, but I probably won't get to it for a little bit, unfortunately. If I was behind before. I'm going to be like extra behind now. <laughs> it's one of those things that I think once you pick it up, you'll you'll read it through until the end and yeah. then you'll be back on the show. God, I have, leaving. Yeah, I have no doubt. Like I really want to read it. It just ugh. Is he he's from Toronto, right? He is. I mean, he Scott is. Pilgrim is set in the annex yeah. of the city and you know, they actually filmed the movie all there too and if any of you visit Toronto, I will take you on the Scott Pilgrim tour of everything from <laughs> Everything. We'll be there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, um, no, I want to read it. It looks fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, it really, really is. I'm not. We we talked about. I'm not even gonna talk about the. It's not even worth talking about the Robin book after we talked about seconds. It's just so good. The Robin Rises book was good. I mean, I th- I thought it was cool, and the, and the art is awesome in it. Um, it did a really good job. If you missed most of the Robin stuff. The first half of that book is really catching you up on just about oh. everything that happened. Yeah, that was really cool. It was like three or four pages of just like, this is, and it was like pre-52 stuff too. Yeah. It was like the moment that Damien shows up until now, um, which is pretty cool. Oh. It was cool. And Andy Kubert art is, it's gorgeous. It is. It's really, really gorgeous. I love the way he draws Batman. Um, we got some apocalypse stuff coming, so. Is this the only one of them that's going to be five four ninety nine? Yeah, yeah. It's just like the, you know, it's like that first issue thing. And then the rest are going to be in the Batman and Robin series. Yeah, the yeah. rest will be on that meringue paper. Yeah, the, yeah, the weird paper. Really wasn't into the idea of paying twenty five dollars to uh, no. see this in case it was five issues. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> no, wait till September comes with the three D cover. Don't worry. <laughs> oh. All right, so that's it for our books of the week. Uh, we're gonna take a little break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk with Nathan Edmondson. We are back here on Talking Comics, and we have a very, very special guest, Nathan Edmondson, writer of Black Widow and The Punisher. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Wow, two varies, huh? I'm not sure that's warranted, but I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely is. Definitely, definitely is. It's awesome to have you. Um, So I want to ask you, uh, you, when you kind of broke into the business, I hear you have an interesting story about maybe you weren't so much of a comic book person. And you got, and before you came into this world, yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've uh, told I guess you know slices of the story before. I don't know. There's not really a story to it, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I, I was working in in the uh, professional semi political world in Washington D.C. before uh, I came into comics, and you know I'd always had an appreciation for comics, but I was not an avid comic reader, uh, and I certainly didn't have great aspirations, you know, to pursue comics and write comics what happened was um i uh happened to move down the street when i was living in macon from um illustrator tony harris who 
uh, I mean, I was just blown away by his work and, and just it, it amazed me. He was working on Ex Machina at the time. And I was like, this is such a cool idea. The art, I had a degree in art and art history. So I was so inspired to see like, look at this, this is a place where artists are working. You know, artists <laughs> can be artists here. And that is that was immediately inspired to me. I also, you know, I had a propensity towards storytelling. I wanted to maybe write novels or screenplays, but I hadn't done much about it. But I started to realize like, man, comics is it's the you know it's it's like the promised land for telling great original stories you can tell as many as you want and you know uh, you have so much freedom in comics and and so my eyes were kind of open to the comics industry as a place to you know to bring my uh my ambitions and and ultimately i did uh, i didn't right away but uh, eventually i did and i had some really great you know people kind of um encourage me and give me advice and help me in along the way uh, you know, because of, because of the, the professionals I'd met, like, uh, you know, like Tony and, um, and so uh, anyway, I, I mean, I, at that point I was like, all right, now I got to pitch a story. And Chris, I found Christian Ward. And to be honest with you, I, so much credit, uh, I probably haven't said this enough, but so much credit goes to Christian and my career. I mean, every artist I've worked with, of course, uh, deserves the credit for anything I've done. But, uh, but Christian, in a special way, we, we did get our break in together, but he his knowledge of comics and his mindset and his sort of, you know, he knew the way the medium worked much better than I did. And so when we started working on something together, he was able to slap me around a little bit and say, no, no, no here's the way to approach it. And uh, his know-how uh, really helped, um, you know, helped me get my feet planted firmly to get that first book going. Uh, you know, without him, uh, I, I certainly... It certainly wouldn't have happened, and not just because of his incredible art talent. So, yeah, I mean, that's a slice of the story that maybe I haven't, I haven't told enough, or at least enough publicly. But uh, uh, that's that's about it. Cool. And have you noticed? I mean, just looking at your own work, kind of uh, Im- improvements and things that you've learned along the way as, as you've written more and more in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Look, we're we always. I mean, I notice. Uh, you know, both both in your work and in your life, right? I mean, you hope that the next thing you do is better than the last one. You hope your, you know, your maturity grows, your skill set grows, your, you know, all of this. And so, you know, comics. I, I really have grown up in comics in a lot of way, uh, a lot of different ways. Um, and uh, to me, the thing that I guess worries me most when I'm approaching a new book is that it won't be better than what's come before, because I feel like. I have to be growing or else what am I doing? And uh, I can look and identify um, a lot of things that, you know, places where I say, wow, I know where I learned that. You know, but it's, you know, it's tricky, though, because it's not like, gosh, this book was bad because I didn't know this and that. It's just that when I knew this, I was able to do new things. And you keep expanding, 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 you know, your your universe of storytelling capabilities. And uh, and also, you know, it's not just stuff you discover, of course. I mean, I can look back and say, this is something that this editor taught me. You know, this is something I learned from Bobby Chase. This is something I learned from Ellie Pyle, from, uh, you know, Jay Thomas. This is something I learned from, uh, you know, whomever it may be, or the, your collaborator. You know, this is something I learned from Nick Klein or somebody, you know, so like whoever you're working with, you can look and say, yeah, that was something I learned working with them or working on this. And that, you know, you get to a point then where that becomes. Uh, instinct on the next thing you approach and you're like you know I really had to work hard to get this beat of the character's emotional journey in this book but on this one you know it, it 
felt much more natural. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like to think that I can look at my stuff and see that kind of growth. Um, but, uh, but look, at the end of the day, I think anybody who reads my stuff knows I'm just relying on the artists anyway. So I work <laughs> with great artists and you know, I can get by on not being you know, all that talented. <laughs> um, well, uh, Steve, you had a question about kind of how he got to the characters he's writing now. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how that was put together. Uh, did you actually have to make a pitch for uh, Black Widow and the Punisher, or were you offered uh, the gig at Marvel? Well, I was uh, Black Widow. I was offered with Phil Noto on board, so like, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, and we still had to work up a pitch because nothing at Marvel, you know, is approved even at the editor level. Like, they have a system by which they determine like the viability of a book and. Um, and so, you know, everything, you, you know, they're like, all right, here's the team. And then you do have to come up with a pitch. Um, I also, uh, um, the, you know, on, on Punisher, they had approached me and said, there's several other books. Uh, we want you to take on another one. Which one are you most interested in? And my first instinct was not to do another solo book, but I knew Mitch Gerrits was available and, or, you know, like we, we, Mitch and I wanted to go on and do something else together. And I was mm. like, this couldn't be a more perfect thing to do or more perfect character who, you know, was at a place where we wouldn't be picking up somebody else's like, uh, you know, laying down track after someone else's like the character was in a place where we could just run with him, uh, right. with our, or, you know, from a very original place. And so, um, but again, you know, yeah, we, they, they said, okay, now pitch us. And so we came up with uh, a pitch and, pitched it and you know there we go hmm. cool i mean there's just something about kind of the punisher and black widow kind of you know they they share some similarities right they're they're both sort of morally sometimes ambiguous and they both lack a, a superpower set was there something about that sort of character that drew you to those characters specifically um i mean i guess you know that, that i am drawn to genres of storytelling that include those kinds of characters but you know we talking with marvel now about other things to pick up i mean i'm more than eager to like really go outside that box uh mm -hmm. and when, when i took on deathlock you know my first reaction to you know marvel was no like i don't want to do another solo book that feels similar but once we started talking about it we realized we have a really cool opportunity here with deathlock and it ultimately will not be that similar so you know, so so we took it on, but but I was like, you know, I want to do, you know, let's do, let's play with some powers, let's play with, you know, some alternate realities, let's like, you know, have some real comic fun, um, and and I'm gonna do that, we're gonna do that, uh, um, but uh, but you know, so yeah, I'm I'm drawn to something there, but um, you know, the point is that that's not the only thing I'm drawn to. Right, right, absolutely. Now, that Deathlock series you're doing with Mike Perkins, is this the Luther Manning original, the old Doug Mensch, Rich Buckler, one of the follow-ups, something out of the TV show, something completely new? What do we have going on there? We came up with what I think is kind of a combination of all of it. We, we It's it's something completely new, uh, although the funny thing was we came up with this outline like midway through the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, and towards the end we're like, uh -huh. huh, they did some similar things to what we were planning. You know, and uh, which was just happy coincidence. So we'll see, you know, as it plays out, which those may be. But uh, but we've created a new character, Henry Collins. Um, I'm sorry, Henry Hayes. Michael Collins will still be, you know, there in the world, uh, I guess I can say. And um, uh, it, it will resonate with the show. That is, people from the show will, like, look at it and pick it up and be like, you know, we know what this is. Um, 
but it's certainly not derivative of the show at all. Cool, cool, awesome, awesome. Um, Stephanie, we have a, a maybe a listener question. Yeah, sure. Going back to the Punisher, uh, Sammy Cassell wanted to know. Uh, the Punisher is such a violent character. How do you walk the line between anti-hero and villain without crossing it, uh, but also keeping the stories from being stale? Huh, that's a good question. Um, you guys have some, you know, intelligent listeners. We do. Uh, They're pretty awesome. <laughs> i got to step up my game. I didn't realize, you know, this, <laughs> uh, at this kind of audience, I didn't realize I was speaking to, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, to the Yale graduating class. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that I have a great answer though, is the disappointing thing. I mean, I, I'm aware of like not wanting things to do, be too violent, but it's mainly because I have an aversion to too much violence. Like, you know, movies that have too much gore and blood and stuff like that. I, I close my eyes a lot. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so it's not hard for me to like avoid, you know, some of the more gory moments cause I just like, I don't want to write them anyway. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it's really about where, you know, where you put your first foot. So we established early in the series what we wanted the tone to be, how we wanted to approach it. And I think that the key for us to making Frank a still likable character while he does these really violent things uh, or is engaged in violent activities is to approach his character first and to, one, give him a motivation for everything he does so that you understand there's a reason. Uh, maybe you don't always agree with it, but you understand it. And, two, to um, get to see enough of Frank's human side that you feel, you know, that kinship with him so that when he does something, you know, that is outside of your world, like going and blowing the head off a drug dealer, you're like, no, that's not, I don't identify <laughs> with that. You know, how can I mm -hmm. identify with that? Uh, but you're like, but I do identify with him, you know, being lonely and I do identify with him, uh, you know, having coffee at a diner, you know, little human moments that, that make you feel close to him so that you still feel close to him when he, you know, uh, does those other things. So hopefully that is a satisfying answer. <laughs> well, we'll make sure we ask him, the listener, and the, the, the for a follow up to make sure that he did it satisfactory. Um, I think everybody wants to know, but Bob and Steve wrote the same question to me, so I'm okay. going to I'm going okay. to paraphrase it, Go which it. is um, your working relationship with uh, with Phil Noto. Yes. Like, how how does it you know how does it work? How do you guys interact? Bob wants to know: Is it full script? Is it Marvel method? How how do you guys do that? Uh, well, I do write a full script, uh, but it is very Spartan. I mean, I tend to write Spartan anyway, but I mean, you know, it, Phil is like, you just kind of have to point him in the right direction a little bit. And, y you know, you don't have to tell him anything other than that. Like, we're going to kind of go over there. And then he's like, got it, you know, and he's he takes care of it. And so, you know, my descriptions really like, I, you know, I focus more on her journey and her story structure and my descriptions. I mean, how he takes them and leaves them, I know that it's going to turn out to be spectacular in the end. I mean, he's just somebody I can trust wholeheartedly. So, uh, you know, I don't half-ass the writing and the scripts, but I uh, um, I know that I don't need to um, give him, you know, more information than really the basics that are necessary. And as far as our relationship, Phil is one of the most decent and great guys that I know. Uh, just a true professional. Um incredible hard worker keeps his head down and does his thing and you know has a good sense of humor and a good attitude i mean he's just a, he's a dream collaborator and uh you know we, we we don't really interact that much i mean we interacted a lot more 
when we were first figuring out Natasha. Now it's like, you know, we're on the boat and we're just riding it down the river. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, I, I can't, I could sit here for the rest of this conversation and sing Phil's praises as I could any other artist that I've worked with um, or am working with. But, um, but I think his virtues are, are, you know, many of them immediately recognizable. Now, I, having seen Phil's work for a long time now, he is very, very good at expressing emotion very subtly through just a panel or two or a changing glance. Does that affect then the way you write for him, knowing he can deliver the goods that way? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, every artist that I collaborate with, um, you know, you, you learn which language you're going to speak with them. Some artists prefer a much greater degree of specificity. Um, and, and that's the better chemistry. Some artists, you know, you learn like what their strengths are or what their weaknesses may be, uh, what kind of things they prefer to draw. Um, you know, so, so you do, I mean, you learn and, and like, once you've seen it a few times, I can picture in my head, like, man, Phil's going to nail this. But of course, at the same time, like there's not a lot that I, I could describe that he's not going to make look great. But there are certain moments where I like I will really treasure it when Phil depicts like this very quiet little Natasha moment where all that changes is her gaze, you know. Uh, it, it, so when you learn like what certain strengths are of artists and you can write to those strengths um, and, it, and it's look, it's a it's an ongoing relationship like any relationship. Uh, where you learn somebody's, um, you learn more and more about somebody, and your interaction becomes much more in tune. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, you had a question about kind of his take on Natasha. We talked about uh, Frank, obviously. Yeah, I was curious. Um, I mean, Black Widow is a pretty big character in a big book to get. So I wanted to know who is the Black Widow to you, and what is it about her character that has so many people interested in reading her own solo series? Um. Huh. Well, so I guess taking the second question first, I mean, first of all, as a character, she's never been more in the spotlight than now with the films and mm-hmm. everything. So, you know, there's a, a lot of that. I think, um, you know, it's an opportunity when uh, uh, her, I guess, likability, viability and everything was so loudly demonstrated on screen that people said, we can have you know female comics characters like this too, which is not to discount any of the writing that or creating that's come before on the character, but just people jumping up mm-hmm. and down, um, and uh, you know, but but you know, I'm not sure what what is really driving. I mean, I don't know the numbers. I, I have heard people say that there are more female readers in comics than ever before. So if that's true, I'm sure that that has something to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, at the end of the day, I think that it's a character that, that people like, uh, like anything. I mean, that's what sells anything. If you like and get the character and want to sort of be on that journey with the character. Um, we, um, you know, but as far as what she means to me, um, you know, that's a good question. I mean, to me, Natasha is, it's like, it's very interesting writing her because she's on one side extremely vulnerable and very delicate and on the other side she is tough as nails and lethal you know and so this this coin there there are two very distinct sides to it and i mean that really you know it connects with she connects with me emotional on two radically different levels so it makes for a very uh I, i don't know a very um 
I guess, dynamic uh, or, or like high um, amplitude writing experience. So, um, you know, I, I will say this, like people are aware that, you know, reading the series that we are kind of slowly unveiling her mystery and we won't unveil it all, but I mean that we keep a lot of who Natasha is very close. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I feel that way too. Like, I feel like I'm only slowly getting to know her and like, she constantly surprises me. And there's some things coming up that we just outlined recently that are really going to surprise me too. Uh, you know, and so that's exciting because, um, you know, she has an underdog, uh, quality to her, which, uh, I think endears people, naturally but certainly endears me to her and uh you know she's very capable and very alone and um very tortured and so for all those things I, it's like on one hand i'm i feel a great deal of empathy and sympathy uh toward and for mm -hmm. her and on the other hand you know i'm terrified of her because you know she's the one wiping out the bad guys and she you know uh could beat me up six ways till sunday you know, right. like there, there's and, and but also she's she's got I mean, beyond those two, sur you know, that surface level. Um, uh, what do you call it? I guess that surf surface level prowess, because it's easy to just say like, well, she's kick ass, you know, because she kicks ass. Like, but I think yeah. that that that's like pretty surface level. And Natasha has a resoluteness beneath that where she knows, you know, this is my mission. I do this alone. I don't need this, and 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 it's and it's a it's also a kind of self torture, but that resoluteness, um, I think, is uh, you know is something that is inspiring to me. Right on, awesome, awesome. Stephanie, kick it back to a listener question. Yeah, uh, Courtney Key. She wanted to know. Uh, she says, "I really enjoyed the latest issue of Black Widow with her and Bucky. As the series goes on, will you continue to explore her relationships with other characters in the Marvel universe?" Uh, we will see more relationships. Uh, you know, we've just, I guess, dropped the solicitation where she'll be with um, X-23 in uh, mm -hmm. issue 11. Is that right? Something like that. Anyway, uh, you know, so uh, we, we've got, you know, some other connections coming up. But, you know, the first five issues to us were really about establishing her world alone. And the second five issues to us... Uh, or six, I'm sorry, second six issues to us were about exploring the connections and showing that as much as her solitude makes her who she is, her connections with other people, past, present, and future, also make her who she is and make her world what it is. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I can't disclose too much about where we're going immediately, uh, you know, but, but um, there will certainly continue to be familiar faces, but this, uh, I guess, series of... Um, you know, of connections was supposed to be a little more poignant and direct in these six issues. So, uh, you know, um, hopefully, you know, that effect comes across in like the right and, and in pleasing way. Awesome. Awesome. And Stephanie, I know you had a, a follow up of your own. Yeah. Right? Um, so not talking about necessarily Black Widow or the Punisher or anything else, but what is your writing process like? How do you keep yourself on track with everything that you're doing? Well, um, I have a fantastic assistant right now who helps me do some editing and things. Uh, I hear that I mean, assistants are good. <laughs> they're, uh, the good ones are good. I, uh, <laughs> I, I hear Billing, Bill Willingham has a great one. 
<laughs> but mine is is really good. I mean, it's minimal. You know, it's it's certainly minimal <laughs> employment for her. Uh, it's not like I can uh, you know afford full time help. But uh, but it's great to have somebody to review for you know even if it's just for basic editing and things. Um, so that takes a little edge off. But uh, additionally, um, you know, the way I try to work is like last week or the week before I wrote five issues of Death in one week and that gets me ahead months so that i can then turn and focus on you know finishing a screenplay that i need to finish finishing a creator own work uh that i you know again will write all five issues at once and then you know by then i'll be like okay we need you to do edits on these black widow issues and also we're ready you know to talk about the outline so then so the point is i i try to leapfrog projects and block off time uh, it doesn't always work out quite like that but so far you know if if i uh really kick myself and look having a uh, having a you know a little girl at home and a mortgage focuses you like you wouldn't believe so uh you know the things that i never thought were possible in my adhd um you know uh, existence I'm, I'm pulling off but uh um you know but but the reality is i'm also working with great artists who you know can can uh you know that i can rely on to um you know to make my crap work great is here's a quick follow-up too is there anything that you need with you while you're writing like do you need music to be playing or do you need you absolutely need a cup of coffee or is there anything that helps you get in the mind frame of i gotta get this done to pay the bills (laughs) right um i do tend to listen to music uh that helps me tune out some distractions um you know, I don't know that there's anything I necessarily need to have with me, but occasionally I will need to be in a certain location. Like, I'll be like, I got to get out of the house and sit down, you know, in an atmosphere with other people around it in order to focus. Or I need to get out of an atmosphere with people and get somewhere alone to focus or something. And a lot of times it's just about changing it up. Like, you know, I just finished an issue of this and my mind is kind of stuck. And if I change locations, you know, I'll get a breath of fresh air and I'll, you know. So that that tends to be part of my process, and sometimes it's just a different room in the house or something like that because I work from home. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's nothing else, you know. There's no lucky charm or special. I've actually been cutting out coffee a little bit recently, although I normally, you know, that normally is an integral part of my uh, writing experience. <laughs> um, but um, but no, that's that's about it. Uh, peace of mind. I got to have some peace of mind with me. Um, all right. Well, you just mentioned uh, your daughter as well. I mean, you write a lot of stuff that is obviously not necessarily appropriate for kids, but is there anything down the line that you're thinking of writing that would be an all ages kind of book, something that your daughter could read, you know, at a young age? Yeah, you know, that is something I'm very interested in. And uh, I actually I had a collaborator that I was trying for a while um, to get this like a this little sort of children's book going and you know it's a hard thing to like go away from where your bread and butter is and try something totally new um and that was part of what happened there is i just you know said i I can't afford the distraction from you know what i know is is uh you know paying the bills right now but um uh you know but but i'd love to and i'd love to especially do something that like was specifically meant you know for her somehow uh that would be Great, and I don't know exactly what that is, but um, uh, yeah, in the near future, I would like to do that, and I'd like to try, you know, a lot of different things. I mean, at some point, I really 
would like to turn over and write some novels. But, uh, you know, when, when the like fire is burning somewhere, you can't, you know, get up and, uh, it's hard to like get up and say, yeah, I'm going to take a break from, you know, the guaranteed paycheck to go like take a big stab. I mean, the screenplays are kind of, you know, are, are, are a little bit different than that, fortunately, because I've had, you know, some great opportunities in film, but, um, but yeah, that's, uh, but I am, you know, I try to write stuff that my mom would not, you know, my barometer is normally like, would my mom be embarrassed to read this, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, that's usually, you know, while my stuff isn't exactly all ages, I usually try not, try not to write stuff that's too, you know, uh, too whatever adult rated or themed or something. But, um, you know, I'd love to, uh, to branch out. I, you know, I, it was interesting. I learned a lesson and this came up the other day with somebody, I don't remember how or why, but I learned a lesson with Olympus because there were several elementary schools and middle schools that had reached out like, you know, we'd love to use uh, a comic book like this to help teach, um, to help teach, uh, you know, Greek mythology. Cause we really did our research on that book and, um, you know, not that it's like a retelling, but I mean, it, it came from some very real places and, uh, um, and, and so, you know, that's like, great, you know, plus that's like, you know, sell a thousand books here, a thousand books there to this school system. But uh, one of the things that, that gave people a little hesitation was we had a little profanity in it. And it wasn't a whole lot, but, you know, especially with public school systems, like, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of things that they have to be aware of, um, you know, and I was like, and so I, I, you know, I wondered at some point, I was like, hmm, did the, you know, did this profanity really add anything to the story or did it cost us sales? You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that books can't have profanity. I mean, if it's important to have sex, violence, bleeding eyeballs, you know, all kinds <laughs> of language or whatever, mm-hmm. then, you know, then that's important to the story and make it happen. But, you know, that's I think that's a good question to ask about, um, you know, to ask about, uh, uh, you know, other other projects I may work on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know this question. Some writers they talk about they 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 read a lot of other stuff, you know, and some writers completely shut themselves out from reading anything when they're kind of creating. Um, do you fall on either side of that line? Uh, I guess not too distinctly. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there are times when I'm like, I need to read a book because I read a lot of like books for research or like history books or something that you know, and I'm like, I need to read something just to enjoy myself for a minute you know yeah. um and so i'll pick up you know some a thriller or something or a mystery book or something to read uh but um i do i mean the only thing i guess is i generally try not to read or even watch things that are too similar to something i'm writing because i don't want to accidentally be derivative but you know, like the other day I was, I was approaching a script and trying to get some inspiration. I was like, you know, this movie handled it just right, but it was a fifties or a six, yeah, late fifties movie. And I was like, this handled it just right. I want to go watch this and sort of see, you know, how they handled this kind of subject material and see if it inspires anything. And, uh, it didn't by the way, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, which so, movie so we can avoid that one. Still, no, it was actually, it was one of my favorite movies uh, the Manchurian candidate, um, oh, I love which I hadn't picture, watched yeah. in years. And I was like, ah, oh, I need to go rewatch this and get inspired. And it's an inspiring movie, but I was still stuck in the story I was working on and figuring something out. And I was like, yeah, stupid movie. So, uh, <laughs> just like summon Frankenheimer and be like, tell me, tell me yes. how you did it. <laughs> Well, do you ever watch or read anything in those situations and like it's just so brilliant that you're like, what the what the fuck am I doing? 
Oh, all the time, man. Half the writers <laughs> and things that I'm like, you know, I, I, uh, I'll be sent a script or something. Like, what was something? Um, there's something the other day. I read uh, one of Scott Derrickson's scripts, uh, uh, a screenplay, and was like, what am I doing, man? This guy's fantastic. Like, just his, <laughs> like his poetry and the words. And, you know, I'm just like, ugh, you know, I'm, I'm so. And then, uh, you know, and then there was something. What was the comic I read recently? I picked it up and was just like, you know, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> what was that? I, you know, and this is this is offensive to whoever this mystery creator, <laughs> creative <laughs> team is right now. But uh, but there was some there was a, a comic I picked up the other day where I was like, man, this is so good. Like, you know, I can't even touch this. And um, you know, but then you know, you'll do that, and then you'll read something really crap and be like, how does this get out there? <laughs> so then you suddenly feel a little bit better. <laughs> but, uh, I'm way better than this person. Yeah, exactly. and he's I'm selling way too hard. They got paid. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, but awesome. uh, but yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, Stephanie, you had another listener question, right? Yeah, we've talked a lot about Marvel, the Punisher, Black Widow, but uh, our listener Ken Myers wants to know when is the latest act activity issue coming out? He says, "I'm going through withdrawals. It's the best comic out there." Well, thank you, Ken. Um, uh, I actually just got an update email on the la- the latest issue, and I, I it is coming, and it's coming very soon. Um, we just sent Dream Merchant and Where Is Jake Ellis issues forward to the printer, and uh, the activity won't be long after. So, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm sorry uh, for the you know for the the delay and the trouble, Ken, but. Um, you know, addiction is serious, and maybe you should, you know, talk to your local comic shop about, uh, <laughs> you know, about spreading your reading material around a little bit. Uh, may I recommend, for example, The Punisher? No. <laughs> uh, Nicely done. <laughs> uh, anyway. Same artist and uh, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some, like, what are some, I'd be interested, so there are some other, like, great, you know, war books. I got to read an advanced snippet of this Skull Six One book, which Kevin Maurer, who's a buddy of mine, is doing with Tony Shastine. And man, first of all, it's the best work I've ever seen Tony Shastine do. Uh, so I can't wait for that book to come out. Um, but there, you know, there's some other really great war books out there. Um, well, that uh, Dogs of War, isn't that what it's called? Uh, Nathan Fox's thing. Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna. Oh. I'll just do a look. But yeah, I think Red so. Rover is it? Something. I Red think Rover Charlie. I thought it was called Dog, Dogs of War. Am I mistaken? I'm, I'm looking right now. <laughs> Double check. Also, there's also The Pride of Baghdad by Brian K. Vaughn, which is a really interesting look at war from the perspective of um, animals from the Baghdad Zoo. Yes. In fact, my dad, who teaches a, um, uh, he's a political science professor, and he now teaches a comics and war politics or something like that class, I told him that he wow. had to include that book. So, um, yeah, it's they now... powerful and amazing it is it is and and really to me a great demonstration Mm -hmm. of what a uh you know a a graphic novel of that um uh you know uh, of that length can do yeah i had a favor from years ago was the nom doug murray and mike golden doug murray was a vietnam vet and so written from the sort of grunts perspective Mm -hmm. right really really well done won all sorts of awards back in back in the old days wasn't one of those sergeant fury books it was (laughs) in the wake of you know apocalypse now and things like that and Hmm. where do we go with these things um and it is dogs of war you're right yeah okay Okay. i don't know why i second guess myself but i love nathan (laughs) fox and that man what a beautiful great read 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, Stephanie, I know you had, you had a question that you have been saving. To ask. Yeah. Well, follow you on Twitter. We're Twitter friends. And I've been seeing you tweet <laughs> a lot about the fantastic four and the fact that you're on set right now. Correct. Uh, I am right now, actually. What, what's mm-hmm. your involvement with that? And what's it been like? Um, well, my involvement right now is that I'm eating their craft services. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, I just, I'm here to mooch. Um, I have no direct involvement with uh, the film, uh, but I am collaborating with uh, somebody who is um, uh, involved with the film. And so I, uh, in order to have some meetings and go over you know, some things about the project that we're working on, they were like, well, look, uh, come down. And, uh, and I also had some somebody else I had a meeting with over by the Jurassic World set, which was exciting too, Ooh. especially for anybody who knows my Crichton, uh, you know, <laughs> de- devotion, I guess it is. Uh, but no, so they, they invited me. So I've been here a couple of days in Baton Rouge. And, um, and as far as what I, you know, what I can say about the, you know, of course I can't like say anything specific except to that. And this is, I had a big Twitter exchange with a guy last night, which, uh, I very, saw this. <laughs> Yeah, well, I actually, and I, I, sh- I guess I should say, which was to me very friendly and, and you know, like a friendly debate or whatever. Uh, but somebody else was like, man, if you, I were you, I would have been so angry. And I was like, no, I thought that was a friendly thing. So hopefully hopefully people didn't read it as otherwise. But uh, <laughs> but basically we're going back, you know, debating. A lot of people, I think, you know, have very early form, strong opinions about what the film is going to be. And from what I've seen... Um, in my time here and from, you know, what I've read and all that stuff, I I can basically say that I am really thrilled for it. And I think that it is a great direction, a great take with a a fantastic cast and a a director who really gets it in terms of story. And, uh, I'm Josh Trank is, is responsible for, you know, Chronicle, which was such a radical approach, um, to, you know, to that kind of material and, uh, both in story and in the direction. And, he his skills from what I've seen here, you know, and I haven't seen like finished footage, but his skills here seem amplified, and uh, his ability to handle the cast and to really create a very cool story. I mean, I'm very very excited about it, and I would just encourage people to you know to check you know like whatever your preformed opinions are, like definitely give this shot. And not only am I excited about it, like I think it is going to round out the corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, round out a corner that kind of needs to be rounded out. Um, uh, which I guess is a little vague, but what I mean by that is that um, it it's going to, f- you know, it's in a very different sort of space than the other. Uh, and I mean, this is stuff he said in an interview, I guess it's in a different, uh, uh, Josh Trank has it's a different kind of space, but I think it's a space that's really going to be very welcome in the Marvel universe. And uh, I think that that's going to be true, by the way, of Scott Derrickson's um, uh, uh, Doctor Strange take. I mean, going to a director like Derrickson, who's done the exorcism of Emily Rose just to deliver us from evil um, and giving him Dr. Strange. I mean, that that's a long stone's throw from, um, you know, Joss Whedon on the Avengers. Like it is a radically different tone and feel and all of that. And so I'm really excited to see these different spaces because look, the books have these radically different feels. I mean, not in relation to the movies necessarily, but you know, what Marvel's been doing lately with the books, the feel of black widow is so distinct from the feel of, you know, Thor from the, you know, and, and uh, both in visual, you know, the art approach and in, uh, you know, the storytelling world. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to get different experiences at the theaters and uh, man, I, I, I just got kind of 
glimpse at everything that was going on when we walked into the you know onto the stage and i was like i get it this is cool so uh, <laughs> uh yeah i mean it's it's aggravating not to be able to you know i understand like say specifically but i i just looked at it and i thought that this was this was really the right way to go and uh, you know let's keep in mind too uh that this was a movie that you know wasn't necessarily going to happen it's not like they said all right and now who do we put together they had Michael B. Jordan, you know, go into the, you know, go in and say, let's do this thing. And they, they got this team together that had worked so well together in the past. And, uh, uh, you know, and they came up with a take. So it wasn't as if they just, you know, were passing out uh, cards for, you know, this movie, the next movie. I think it was it was a very inspired, creator oriented approach to this franchise is what I'm trying to say. Interesting. Cool. It's cool to hear from somebody who's been on set. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I, I have another quick follow up. I'm sorry. We're keeping you forever. But, no, that's uh, all right. <laughs> is there any movie, like comic book movie, that you would personally like to do the screenplay for to bring it to, you know, the screen, the big screen? <laughs> um, you know, maybe. Uh, it's 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 kind of tricky because I try not to usually think in those terms and like you know, uh, but but it, um, you know, and it's also easy to kind of second guess a lot of things, but. Uh, um, hmm. I mean, if I were to adapt something, what would I really like to adapt? I mean, are we seeking talking specifically superhero comics or like it could be anything really? I mean, even something do you write stuff like your own projects, uh, like your independent stuff with the possibility of it being created and turned into a movie? Well, I mean, I you know, there's that possibility with most everything I create. Um, you know, I mean, well, there's a possibility of anything. I mean, you know, tweets can get optioned for movies these days. <laughs> uh, you know, but but I try not to like you know sacrifice anything in the comic for the sake of the film and uh, for the sake of the film possibility. You want the you know the art being true to itself is going to make you know it's going to sell better, be received better, and have a better opportunity for film anyway. Um, but um, but I don't. I don't try to approach things with an interest in writing my own screenplays with, there may be one, one of my books I might consider doing it. Um, but usually I don't because like why me do it? I've got a couple of things in development right now with major screenwriters who are frankly far more talented than I am and command, you know, a lot more attention at a studio than I do. So, uh, and, and to see somebody else, you know, who hasn't had their head in it, come and say with a fresh look and angle, say, Ah, here's the way to take this to the next step. I think is sometimes very necessary. Um, but um, uh, you know, but but uh, uh, hmm, you know, I think I would really enjoy. Um, I mean, the way we're approaching Deathlock could be really interesting. Although, um, yeah, I mean, that could be. Uh, I might end up revealing too much to talk about like the <laughs> twist that I'm really, that I really like in it. But, uh, um, I don't know, you know, I'd really have to think about that one. I, one of the things that came to mind was Homeland directive by, uh, uh, you know, Robert Venditti. Uh, I think that there's a really cool film to that that would really expand his book in a big way. Um, although, you know, somebody else is probably going to make that movie anyway. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I would, like to think about that and also maybe it's good you 
that gig. And I'm like, no, no, I just said that I liked it. You know, <laughs> right. it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how, how this stuff, you know, <laughs> circulates back to you. But, It'll be a news item on Bleeding Cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nathan Edmondson is writing the screenplay for, uh, you know, I will say I don't want to write for Black Widow. Everybody keeps writing, like, write the screenplay. And it's like, no, the comic is my world. That's the thing. I mean, first of all, not that they would ask or anything. I'm not saying that, like, you know, I'm just people like, why don't you spec it and just send it to them? And, you know, that's just not, I, to me, the comic is mine. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what we're creating. And of course, it's not mine, you know, but I mean, that's where my heart is in writing it. And and I don't want to divide. I mean, if it was like we did our run on the comic and 10 years go by and then they come back and we're like, we want to make a film. We want it sort of to come out of your version. Then, then maybe let's talk, but certainly not mm-hmm. now. Um, but uh, anyway, that's that's a long winded answer to a very simple question. <laughs> no, it was it was great. I mean, and um. We, you've been more than generous with your time. Thank you very, very much um, for joining us. Um, are Are you going to be at San Diego Comic Con? I will be. I'm not going to be set up, but I will be there. And uh, I think I have a Marvel panel and probably a Marvel signing and uh, maybe something at Nerd HQ. So um, uh, the best way, if anybody wants to like find me there to get something signed or you know whatever, meet me or you know whatever the best thing to do is to tweet at me and you know i can say here i am come bring your book or here's when i'll be at marvel so yeah follow me on i'm at nathan edmondson for any of your followers but uh if anybody wants to connect there that's probably the safest bet awesome awesome and you've got obviously you've got black widow you've got the punisher um anything else on the horizon deathlock obviously yeah so at nerd hq we'll be teasing uh a new book um and I will tweet out which panel when I know. Uh, so okay. we will be te- we'll be showing a video teaser uh, for a new book that I'm working on. Um, I have. Let me think. Uh, um, I don't, I think that's all I can talk about right now. I've got two other creator-owned books that are. I've got several creator-owned books I'm working on. Two that are like just about ready. But I think we're going to let the one at San Diego kind of have its thunder before we start talking about anything else. Um, and also, we're you know we're excited now that Dream Merchant and Where's Jake Ellis are we're you know getting the ends of those books out and the activity. So we'll kind of let people click those trades. And so I think this fall we'll be looking at some nice big announcements. And I think hopefully another film announcement that'll be very exciting. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, so you know that's my cagey answer to all of that. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, like you said, follow him at Nathan Edmondson on Twitter. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Comics. Thank you, guys. It's a great show. More people should listen to it every day. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you very thank much. You. We're gonna we'll, we'll pull that quote. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we are back. Great interview with with Nathan. Thank you so much again to him for joining us. Um, mm-hmm. Check out Black Widow and The Punisher. Um, so but, good. But let's talk about books that are on the shelves right now getting out the fingers to count them um from archie comics we've got afterlife with archie number six a sabrina issue um we've got uh we've got life with archie comic number 37 and the magazine format of number 36 uh, is coming out as well yeah um we let's see they're gonna try to capitalize um so <laughs> from boom studios we've got adventure time with um no sorry that is a variant cover we got amazing world of gumball number two yes the first one was so damn good <laughs> bravest warriors number 22 we've got um 
Midas Flesh, number eight. We've got Peanuts, number 20. Um, and we've got Steed and Mrs. Peel, Word Needed, number one. Yes. Nice. Um, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got Axe Cop, The American Choppers, number three of three. We've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season 10, number five. Conan the Avenger, number four. Um, we've got Dream Thief Escape, number two. Elf Quest, The Final Quest, number four. Um, we've got Goon, Occasion of Revenge, number one of four. We've got Gru versus Conan, number one. <laughs> Halo Escalation, number eight. We've got Mass Effect Foundation, number 13. Um, we've got The Star Wars, number zero. Um, this is the one from the script right yeah 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 number zero Uh, yeah we've got star wars legacy 2 number 17 and tomb raider number six from dc comics we've got all-star western number 33 aquaman number 33 batman number 33 which is the finale of zero year you've got batman 66 number 13 uh batman and robin number 33 is out um batman beyond universe number 12 batman eternal number 16 catwoman number 33 dead boy detectives number seven flash number 33 he-man and the masters of the universe number 15 injustice gods among us year two number eight justice league dark number 33 um new 52 futures end number 12 red lanterns number 33 secret origin number four um star spangled war stories featuring gi zombie number one um (laughs) superman number 33 uh we've got trinity of sin pandora number 13 unwritten volume 2 apocalypse number 7 wonder woman number 33 secret origins is harley oh um by amanda (laughs) Carter. all right add that to the pile Uh, from daima entertainment we got deja of mars number three we've got new vampirella number no sorry that's that's a that's a second printing um we've got sherlock holmes moriarty lives number five solar man of the atom number four and twilight zone number seven um from let's see here from idw we've got godzilla rulers of earth number 14 kill shakespeare the mask of night number two we've got let's see my little pony friends forever number seven popeye classics number 24 ragnarok number one by walt simonson i don't know if you've seen any of the preview art for it it's but amazing. it's like freaking amazing yeah hmm. i cannot wait to read that um star trek harlan ellison's the city on the edge of forever the original teleplay number two of five Longest title of the week <laughs> super secret crisis war johnny bravo number one ha um, we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, New Animated Adventures, number 13. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, number two. Um, we've got Transformers versus G.I. Joe, number one. And Transformers Windblade, number four. Sorry, Aww. Bob. Uh, Wild Blue Yonder, number five. Winter World, number two. Um, and X-Files, season 10, number 14. Uh, from Image Comics, we've got Cowl. Number, sorry, it's the second printing again. Keep fooling me with the second printings. Um, it's all right. We've got Revival, number 22. Saga, number 21. We've got Savage Dragon, number 196. Um, we've got Skull Kickers, number 29. Super Annuated Man, number 2 of 6. Supreme Blue Rose, number 1. Trees, number 3. Undertow, number 6. Velvet, number 6. And Zero, number 9. Um, for Marvel Comics, we've got... 100th anniversary special avengers number one it's really screwy looking is it really it's, it's very funny stuff oh really yeah um chris samney he does every day he does on his blog he does mm-hmm. like he does illustrations and he did one that was nick fury and the howling avengers <laughs> and it was like the most amazing thing in the entire world i was like i want this to be a real did book. you see the scotty young captain america where he built a snowman of winter soldier 
and he has a phone out and he's taking a selfie. No. It's hysterical. <laughs> um, we got all new Dupe number four, all new Invaders number eight, all new Ultimates number five, Amazing Spider-Man number four, uh, Daredevil number six, Deadpool number 32, Deadpool Dracula's Gauntlet number three of seven, Deadpool versus X-Force number two. <laughs> Big Deadpool day. Um, we've got, uh, let's see... Um, for those who missed it, George Romero's Empire of the Dead, Act 1, Trey Paperback is out. Ooh. With the variant, covers the Arthrocytum, oh, zombie cool. covers the price role. on that? Um, that's, I think it's $16.99. Uh, where are we here? Uh, um, $19.99. $19.99. Um, let's see here. We've got um, Mighty Avengers number 12, Original Sin number 5.2, Original Sins number 4 of 5, Storm number 1. Uh, we've got Wolverine number 8, Wolverine and the X-Men number 6, um, and that's it for Marvel. Um, from Oni Press, letter 44, number 8. Oh, yes. Uh, from Titan Publishing, we've got Doctor Who, the 11th Doctor, number one, and Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor, number one, both coming out. Mm. As far And also Lenore, volume two, number 10. Yes. Ordinary, number three. Um, there we go. Let's see what else we got. Valiant Archer and Armstrong, number 22, and Armor Hunter's Bloodshot, number one. From Valiant and then from Xenoscope, we've got Grim Fairy Tales presents Godstorm, Hercules Pain, number four, <laughs> Helsing, number four, and Wonderland, number 25. What's your count up to, Steve? Uh, 15. Oh, um, I don't know that Lenore will reach the store, but if it does, it's mine. All righty. I love Lenore. Awesome. Um, so that is what is on the shelves right now. Um, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, at Talking Comics, um, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and uh, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com is the email address. Um, Steve, your personal Twitter. My personal Twitter is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie, yours? At hello cookie. And Bob, email address. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Um, make sure you guys listen to the uh, the family of Talking Comics podcasts. Mm-hmm. We've got new episode of The Misfits is obviously up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, they talk about Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a new episode of Talking Movies. They just, they just reviewed the new Jason Siegel, Cameron Diaz movie, Sex Tape. Um, and a new Talking Games will be up on Thursday. I know what we're doing. Yeah, what are you doing? We are, well, we always talk about the games we played this week, but we're also, we all spent a lot of time with the Destiny beta over the past couple of days. So we'll be talking about that. I've got cool. a code for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's also going to be, we're going to get to it first. It's going to be a listener question focused podcast because we've been promising questions. And the last two podcasts have run way <laughs> over. Uh, this time, we're going to get right to it. So if you've got any questions for us, feel free to tweet them at Talking underscore Games, and we will read them. Awesome. And also listen to uh, Talking Valiant, hosted by our own Adam Shaw. Um, and also, uh, I think next week, we'll probably do a... Well, it's right in the middle of San Diego Comic-Con, I guess, next week, or right before it starts, I guess, next week. No, it's, it's now. Right starts after. tomorrow. So today. Oh, so it's tomorrow. Yeah, so it's going to be like So that's what, we talk, that's what we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> I was going to say we're going to do listener questions, but we'll do that the week after. Get your week. fingers ready for all the leaked trailers before they get taken down. Yeah, get ready for it. Um, actually, no, in two weeks. We have Guardians in two weeks. So mm. we have a lot of, we have big, two big shows coming up in the next two weeks. San Diego Comic-Con and then Guardians of the Galaxy. Hot damn. Yeah, hot damn indeed. It's exciting time to be a comic fan. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. Ciao. And Bob. Good night. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Continued.